0: Hey guys, welcome to the second episode. Today's guest is the lovely Parker Craig. To start off, I want to apologize for the sound quality and reiterate that the opinions expressed here are strictly ours and do not represent any organizations. All right, that's it. Enjoy the show.
1: Far away at what you want me to talk about
0: hit me oh no this is literally it this is it we just we just chat
1: we just chat all right we just chat um i don't know i've never the first time i watched the star wars trilogy i was very young Mm -hmm. i had the box it was my dad's box set which i think is a lot of people's experience i think there are a lot there's like a class of movies that are very specifically you only watch them well no you only watch them because of your dad like, uh, there's dad movies and then there's mum movies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, I have very, like, well-cultured parents in movies. Well-cultured. Yeah. Mm. So, like, my childhood movie was, like, the fifth element. Um, cause that was, like, my dad's favorite.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. And he watches it at least once, like, every year. It's, mm. it's one of his favorites of all time. He loves Luke Besson as well. So then, obviously, I watched Leon the Professional and I was like, sleigh. Um, yeah. So I was like, I don't know, someone mentioned it, um, and I was like, actually, yeah, I wouldn't mind watching the original trilogy. I wouldn't touch the others, Mm. but I wouldn't mind the original trilogy. I'm just not like a sci-fi person, though.
0: Yeah, no, fair enough. Mm. Yeah, real quick. Real quick. I saw this artwork, and apparently (gasps) like, it's based on the, I think it was for the Thrawn trilogy, Mm. which is like a series of novels.
1: Yeah, I love...
0: Apparently, like, Mm. it was going to go into this whole thing in which, like, the Emperor, like, clones Luke. Uh,
1: Because I love retrofuturism, which is, like, Mm. that style. And I love this, like, weird moment in the 50s and 60s and 70s where they got really obsessed with sci-fi. And they, it was just a beautiful time for, like, art and, like, media.
0: So what what is it that you like about, like, Star Wars, but you go, I'm not a sci-fi person?
1: Um, I don't even know if I like Star Wars, to be honest with you. I think I would only watch okay. it because it's a thing where it's like, you have to watch it. Similar. Um,
0: so you watch it for like, um, to get into the culture. Mm. For like relevancy reasons.
1: Yeah. Okay. For mainly for relevancy reasons. I feel like there's two different types of canons. And there's a canon of like, in terms of film, there's a canon of like, art house, um, experimental, uh, objectively good movies or, Older, usually older movies. So you shit like Citizen Kane or, um, Rear Window. and. Like
0: the IMDb canon.
1: Like the IMDb, yeah. Uh, but then there's also like the cultural canon that's like Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, um, Star Wars, uh, the older, like original Star Trek's, um, the Indiana Jones, which is a lot more millennial. I think like it's a lot more 80s nostalgia films. Um, The Thing uh the blob, uh
0: radiogenics.
1: Anyway, yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah, 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 it's and that's and that's a canon that I haven't really touched because I'm I wasn't born then. That is a canon that was basically made by people who grew up in the late 70s and 80s, where that was like their childhood movies. And so I say that um because a lot of the time media now create hello created by people who were like in their thirties Usually references that cultural canon. So people like, um, like Nirvana the Band the Show is basically all about that cultural canon, but mm. it also dips into the whole artsy canon as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I would love to be able to be into that cultural canon, but I think it's really hard if you actually didn't grow up with it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, cause I watched Indiana Jones, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark because my dad likes it, and I was, like, I was really sick. Um, it was, This was, like, a couple of months ago. And I was like, you know what? Oh, yeah, I'll watch Indiana Jones. Why not? Like, it's it's one that people talk about. And I was like, mm, I, I don't think I finished it. Okay. Because I was like, this is actually kind of hard to watch if you're not, like, a 10-year-old and it's just come out and you're seeing it in the cinemas. And, you know, mm. and, like, for a lot of people, that's why they like their movies. So for my generation, that's a reason why they like Harry Potter because they were young when it was coming out. And no offense, I don't think it's very good. I don't really like it. No, Harry you know. Potter's not all that.
0: No. It but was it's just just a right place, right time thing.
1: And it's like, but I feel like Indiana Jones is the equivalent of that generation's Harry Potter, where it's like you only look back on it and think, "Oh, it's really good." Hmm. Nostalgia. Okay,
0: that's interesting because, like, yeah, like I like a lot of those movies, but like. I didn't grow I'm up sorry if them.
1: I massively dissed them then. No, no, it's, it's <laughs> fine. It's fine.
0: Because, like, mm. I think... I mean, a lot of them are, like, blockbusters. You know, because, like, they're like the Marvel movies of their day, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, they're, like, big. They're epic. They've got, like, a hero's journey kind of plot. Yeah. Do you reckon yeah. Spielberg is, like, their version of, like, Taika or TD? Maybe.
2: That's great. Maybe. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. He actually... Um, Spielberg was actually very influenced by Looney Tunes.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah.
0: Like Spike Jones is one of his like idols when it comes to like visual storytelling. Yeah. I reckon. Chuck Jones. Sorry. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I reckon like Looney Tunes is, yeah, fucking cool. There's nothing and wrong I'm so with it. Old. Yeah, but like it's good visual storytelling. Like, yeah. there's this. Have you seen the rules about the coyote and the Blade Runner? Uh, a Blade Runner? No. <laughs> What's it, the coyote and the, the uh, Road the
2: Runner? Road
1: Runner. Yeah. <laughs> yes, coyote and Blade Runner. <laughs> that I, I would watch that. <laughs> Me too. Oh fuck! But there's this whole. There's like a the series of rules. Writing. It's more people talk about it in terms of writing, where um, coyote can never catch Road Runner. Oh, yeah. roadrunner can only never speaks like only speaks in the um mm. the the coyote can only ever use weapons from that store acme acme only yeah. only acme weapons
0: yeah
1: and like it, there's a whole thing about it and
0: interestingly enough the roadrunner can't like directly harm coyote yes
1: that's another one Yeah,
0: it needs to be indirect or he needs to be harmed as a result of
1: his own actions mm, i I love that yeah i don't often like rules but i like those i think it's cool i think it's cool to set out and, and create a story world and be very specific about what you're doing you know yeah i respect that a lot mm. have you
0: seen avatar like the animated show the last day of ending uh,
1: i've seen i've seen more of Korra. okay yeah yeah, yeah. do you like that It's okay. I, it's not fresh in my memory because I, it was just sort of whenever it was on Cartoon Network and I'd be like, oh, that's okay. Right. I think I always, with her name's Cora, right? And she had a spinoff series.
0: Uh, I don't know about the spinoff, but like that was the second series of that.
1: Ah, because I do remember that coming out. Mm -hmm. And I remember just sort of being annoyed that she didn't really have a lot of agency as a female character, but she was still the main character. And I I still felt a bit disappointed that she had suddenly received main character status and she was the focus of the season, but she was still not able to make a lot of decisions for herself.
0: See, the way I see it is, like, she had agency, but not motivation so much. Mm. To be honest, I haven't... It's like, oh, okay. Because, yeah. like, the thing is, Cora's a lot more of, like, a cop, in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like, she, like, is, like, putting down revolution. She's, like, you know, helping out governments... She's very officially the Avatar, whereas the previous series, I would say, story-wise, is better. Like Korra definitely explores a lot more when it comes to like the world abilities, Mm. like the spirit realm, etc. But like the last Airbender is a much better story because Aang is like a reluctant Avatar.
1: See, I love reluctant heroes. I, I think it's really, I hate when heroes are, like, really predestined for it. And they're like, I've been preparing my whole life for this. i got to go up the mountain and do this shit. Like, I don't care. If, yeah. if you have a character that's like, I don't actually want to do this. I'm so much more invested. Mm. God.
0: Like, he is predestined. But, like, he's got trauma. He's, mm. like, still a child.
1: See, that's um, fucked and I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's... Like, he's called the last airbender because the Avatar cycle, like, is a cycle. So it goes from water to earth to fire to air and then so on. So when it came to the airbenders, the fire lord was all like, Well, the avatar is going to stop my, you know, rampaging conquest. So I'm going to kill all airbenders.
2: Oh, fuck.
0: And he's the only one that survived. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So that's, anyway, that's not a spoiler. It's the first episode, but
1: that's rough.
0: That's why I like, for like, like a the child, meme-
1: that's rough.
0: That's where the meme is, like, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked.
1: Oh! Yeah. <laughs> great! Yeah. I'm learning meme lore. This is great. Mm. Anyway, my mm.
0: point is, that's a world where the rules are very defined. Yeah. Because, like, in Harry Potter, they're not really... You can do whatever the hell you want with a wand. Yeah, fuck that. But Boring. in Avatar, it was, like, very specific things you can do.
1: Mm. See, I wasn't... I was more of a Gravity Falls kid than I was an avatar kid. Mm-hmm. I was very into like um chowder, uh Flapjack. Was it the Adventures of Flapjack? I'm not sure.
0: I think Misadventures. Miss Oh,
1: are so good. Yeah. And like Adventure Time, regular show, Oh, yeah, that's Billy and Mandy. Anyway. Classics. Um yeah. Spy Kids next door. Spy Five. Kids Next Door. Kids Next Door? <laughs> Spy Five. Spy Five. <laughs> Spy, 5. That's the name of the podcast, Spy Five. Yes um i i yeah and like i was real i i still re-watch gravity falls sometimes It's pretty good i think it was yeah. it was the first tv show i watched as a kid and went this is properly something i really really like yeah you know and a lot of the time as a kid you grow up and you you borrow a lot from your parents taste or you borrow a lot from just whatever's on but mm. gravity falls was one of the first things i watched and i like went out of my way to watch it and love it i still love mm. it i don't care it was yeah. a bit cringe. I I I was a bit cringe, but um we're no. all a bit
0: cringe. Yeah, we we
1: we're, <laughs> we're all allowed a little bit of cringe from time to time. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that.
0: But, you yeah, know, I get what you mean because it's it's a good show. Yeah, I And like mm. when I, I when I initially watched it, I just watched the first season. I was like, "Oh, cool. This is great." And then I watched the second season. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, fuck. "Fuck."
1: Yeah, recently it turned 10 years old. Oh, shit. That's fucked, right? Um, yeah. Alex Hirsch on Twitter, he exposed, um, not all of, but a lot of the notes that Disney would give him on the story. Oh, that's right. It was Disney. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's a phenomenal, the, like, the things you see. So he's showing all the notes he's given on scripts and things that are seen on screen. And a lot, and one of them was about, um, you know, the two police officers that are gay, Blubs and, the other guy,
2: yeah. they're,
1: they're gay, right? Yeah. It's pretty, it's like, it's confirmed. Definitely. Um, there's a moment in the show where they put their arms around each other and one of the Disney notes is like, this is, this is too much. Get, get rid of it. And Alex Hirsch was like, they're friends. I'm keeping it in. And there are so many things, really basic things that they tried to get rid of and Alex Hirsch had to fight to keep in. Mm. And I think I just, I really want to see Alex Hirsch make a show where he has full reign. Yeah. Really want to see it. Um because yeah. he worked on Flapjack originally as well. Oh with okay. um there's guy who made Adventure Time pen something or other.
0: Pendleton Ward. Yes.
1: Yeah. Him, Pendleton Ward, Alex Hirsch, whoever went on to do Steven Universe. Oh, Rebecca Sugar. Yeah, Rebecca Sugar. Nice. All of them met through doing Misadventures of Flapjack. Nice. Yeah, and I think also the regular show people, but I'm not sure.
0: Oh okay. Fucking what's his name? Oh I
1: forgot. But it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I think genuinely, I think animated shows are Jay-Z really Quentin. underrated. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. In think... in the West, especially, I would say.
1: Mm. And if it's an animated show, it's like an Adult Swim animated show. Yeah. And it's like, Adult Swim is fun. I like it. Mm-hmm. But they're not doing... I don't know if you could make Tim and Eric awesome show, great job like today. Um, which is probably one of my favorite TV shows of all time. I've been rewatching a lot of it recently, so it's like it's really in my mind. Yeah. But the more I watch it, I'm like this just would not get made. I mean, maybe in a, not especially in Australia. Past. No. It would like it would not come even close to being approved in Australia. If you pitched some of the shit that they did, like a lot of the time they didn't work on scripts, they didn't work professionally, the majority of it was improv, mm-hmm. you would just not get approved for funding in Australia.
0: Unless you had a similar thing to like Auntie Donna where they proved themselves
1: not even they had to go to America to make it oh yeah so Auntie Donna's big old house of fun was initially they pitched it to like ABC they had a pilot with ABC and they didn't get picked up they pitched it to Stan and then Stan like led them on for ages and then said actually no pulled the plug and the then they had to go to Netflix and literally they had to move to Los Angeles for six months to film it because America were the only people that would take it. So, like, Australia is just not taking risks in film and especially not in comedy, and it makes me very, very sad. Yeah. And Big or House of Fun gets talked about as, like, people think that Auntie Donna are just these YouTubers that got a Netflix show, but don't realise that they've been doing theatre live shows for ages. And part of the only reason they, got their sh- they were able to get their show made, and especially in America, was because of their live shows that they did in Australia as well as America. So they built up this American audience, um, physically as Mm. physical audiences. And like, I really admire that. Yeah. That's very, like, they're very much my personal heroes for that, you know? Yeah. Very inspired by that.
0: I think a lot of it these days, unfortunately, is that like you have to create, either create your own audience Mm. or like try and appeal to like something that's already kind of there. Yeah. And yeah, something like that it'd be hard to pitch that for broadcast television. But you still have things like, you know, like, yeah, Aunty Donna, for example, but also like the Eric Andre show mm. and like all these weird things. A lot of them, I guess, are in America.
1: My but like, I feel dream. like in mm.
0: Australia there is room for it because Australians do have a dark sense of humour to an extent.
1: Yeah. I think I love Australian comedy. Mm-hmm. I love it so, 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 so much. And I especially love how a lot of absurdist or offbeat or just crazy Australian comedy is like this beautiful mix between American absurdist comedy and British absurdist comedy. So it's it's like a mix between like Auntie Donna talked about how their inspirations are like in in Britain it's like Monty Python and the League of Gentlemen, and then in America it's like Tim and Eric and Eric Andre, and then I feel Australia is this really good mix between the two, and I feel. We combine those influences quite nicely, and I really wish that there was a better space for Australian comedians because it's yeah. it's tough.
0: Like outside, like the comed- like the stand-up comedy
1: yep. scene. Yeah, because the
0: stand-up comedy scene in Australia is not too bad actually.
1: Yeah, stand-up comedy is doing great, mm. but a lot of filmed comedy, like because we don't have an Adult Swim, yeah. and I I sorely wish we did. Yeah. 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 And like my absolute dream one day would be to have an Australian equivalent of Adult Swim that is just a mm. home for wacky shit
0: yeah. and that
1: can produce it and have and feel comfortable in spending that money on something that might do not do as well. Cuz all I like mm. and certainly my dream TV series would be to do sort of an Australian version of the Eric Andre show.
2: Yeah.
1: As in I I I just want a show. <laughs> I just, you know like but I I don't really feel comfortable that I could ever make that in Australia. I feel I would probably have to go to America.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, see, we we kind of discussed this stuff in our screen business class. Yeah, I don't
1: and, mean to bring screen bring screen business into the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: no, no, it's fine. Like, mm. it's yeah, and Archie gave us the impression that it is something that there is more room for mm. today. Like, there's room, more room for, like, weird stuff, wacky stuff, like, you know, like, more, I guess, representation, more non-mainstream, whatever, white bread stories, etc. So, I I'd, I'd like to be hopeful about that kind of stuff.
1: Mm. I'm jealous of you, then. Yeah. I but admire at, that. But at the same
0: time, like, it's hard to say when that's going to happen, you know?
1: Yeah. I'm sort of waiting for some of the um 30- and 40-year-olds to filter out a little bit because some of the 20-year-olds coming into it now, quite good. Mm. Quite good shit. Um, But I think my guiding philosophy a little bit recently has been the world makes no sense. Everything we do makes no sense. There's not a lot of meaning. So why should the things we make make sense? Um, which is a paraphrase from a quote somewhere. I don't have it. It could be from a movie. I think it is. I have no idea, but it's this whole thing of like I think it it's talked about in reference to David Lynch's work of like the world mm-hmm. doesn't make sense so why should we make art that makes sense. Yeah. And in the 19 late 1920s and 1930s there was this group of Egyptian artists, the Egyptian surrealists, and their catchphrase was long live degenerate art. And they had this real ethos about tearing down every single established rule around them and building it back up to not make sense and Mm. to create things that were purely about expression and purely about saying to the world, it's chaos. Mm. We need to make things that are chaos because we live in chaos. And I, I really, really like that.
0: Mm. I think these days the world makes less and less sense, but, I feel like part of that is, like, I agree with you, but I feel like part of it is also that we don't have, like, you know, people taking risks. Because a lot of the things that we experience these days are hard to say, are hard to articulate, are hard to accept. Mm. So I feel like while there is a need for having things that don't make sense, I think equally we need more stuff, which is, like, Talking about like the difficult shit that's like hard to understand. That's Absolutely. like, you know, yeah, that doesn't make sense, mm. but at the very least acknowledges it, you know.
1: Yeah, I yeah. think, um, okay, I, I could get bullied for this, but no, I'm going to say quick, it. Sorry. Yeah, no, you
0: give an example. Yeah. Have you seen Paris 13 district? Nope. Oh okay. It's 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 very interesting. It's about like modern romantic and sexual relationships. Right. Because like it addresses I mean I don't want to spoil too much, but it addresses mm-hmm. like um like non-monogamy, addresses like casual relationships, mm-hmm. online dating, ageism in the dating world, and at the end of the film None of the main characters, you know, have a happy ending. Like, none of them, like, really. Oh, I'm gonna
1: watch it then. Yeah,
0: none of them, like, <laughs> no. really, like, you know, find the one.
1: Yeah, I think that's a bit and bullshit, though. I think, I think you have soulmates, but I don't think you ever have the one.
0: Yeah, and I, I really like that movie because, like, that's, that's a lot of what dating is. Like, hmm. it doesn't work out, like, 90% of the time. Like,
1: exactly. It's
0: like, often people don't make sense relationships don't make sense yeah and that really shows that because like when you watch the film you're like i don't get what they're doing but i agree yeah
1: yeah, yeah 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 and i think we need a place i was thinking earlier today about how movies movies tv but media and art in general is so spectacular and special and magical because it Has this power to tap into the subconscious that we aren't ever aware of. We watch a movie and we come away knowing a a good movie, we come away knowing the main character inside out, we feel like we've been on the same journey as them, and we can leave a cinema and feel like we know someone who was totally invented, someone who is speaking words written by someone else, and we feel like we've lived their life. I think that's insanely special. And a lot of the time when it's done visually and it just taps into a little part of your brain that is speaking that language, that's so special. Mm. And I think that's truly one of the most incredible things mm. in the whole world. And I think a lot about the, um, the cinematography of Robbie Mueller who did, he did a lot of, um, Vim Vendor's movies and Jim Jamouche movies and specifically in Paris, Texas. He has this beautiful, control over color i do not know how he does it and frankly i don't want to hear him talk about it because i feel as soon as you start talking about craft you ruin it Mm. he just can tap into a subconscious part of your brain to have that feeling and it is insane and as soon as you become aware of it you are you're just like wow you're in awe of how you can control a space and a frame and a plane to just do that to someone that's incredible
0: yeah I'm reading this book by Tarkovsky and like he talks Mm. a lot about trying to use film as a medium in and of itself. Yeah. Cause like, you know, obviously he's being like wanky about it, but he's all like, (laughs) it's Tarkovsky. Whatever, yeah, whatever you've learned from like photography, (laughs) useless from novels. Don't, don't bring it in theater. Don't bring it into film. Don't (sighs) do it. He can't just theater. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Tarkovsky. Wow. He's like, okay, sure, maybe it'll help you understand film better, Mm. but you need to see film in an it's uh, in and of itself. Yeah, like you need to see film as like its own medium. You shouldn't bring rules and conventions and all these things from other art forms into it.
1: See, that's really interesting. Yeah, because last year. I made a short film, um, it was technically for like my year 12 major work, um, for English Extension 2. Don't recommend doing that, by the way, listeners at home, unless you have a really clear idea of what you actually want to make.
0: Yeah, if we somehow get a non-R18 rating for this, don't do it.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, any, un, any, yep. Yeah. Uh, and any I was- youngins. <laughs> All the youngins of the world, heed this message. I was a bit silly about it, uh, but basically, the short film I was making was essentially a theatre piece. I had adapted the film from a play I had written uh, in like year nine. So, my references for the film making were people like Brecht. And I was like, oh, it's like a Brechtian film. And my teachers had to be like, stop referencing theatre. This is a film. And I was like, no, it's Brecht though. (laughs) Like, and I, and I feel that you can definitely transpose those fields of knowledge into film. And especially people like Meyerhold, uh, another theatre practitioner, a Russian, um, a lot of his theatre work is very applicable to film. And he worked with, um, God, I've forgotten it. But, he I've forgotten. It. Yeah. He had a focus on like very mechanical movements and spaces. And a lot of the time his sets were very recognizable because they were dominated a lot by like massive fans and workers and, and industrialism. And a lot of that is still seen in film today, especially it was very like noir, in my opinion. Uh there's a specific film I'm thinking of that I can't remember the name that has a lot of massive fans and a lot of dark shadows and very harsh lines and harsh movements and that's all Meyer hold and a lot of brecht with breaking the fourth wall and reminding people that they are watching a performance reminding people that they are observers to actors and that they are on a stage i feel is also very important to film mm. and i do love the intersection of theater and film i don't want to keep them separate
0: <laughs> No, fair enough.
1: yeah i want them to be together and have little theater film babies you know
0: yeah no that's that's completely fair yeah so
1: fuck Tarkovsky no I'm sorry (laughs) love you Tarkovsky um
0: Tarkovsky if you're listening to this
1: um
0: (laughs) please don't unsubscribe nice nice um Um, like
1: there is
0: there is like intersections between like mm. all these different disciplines and that's part of why I love film Mm. like you know like as much as I would love to be like just a writer or just like a musician or whatever I just love that there's so many. Like things. things you can like adjust in a yes. film and like the effect changes dramatically. It is fantastic. And like it's like a you know, it feeds in on itself.
1: You know what, harking back to the chaos and the things that don't make sense discussion. I recently uh was on YouTube, as you do, and one of the recommended videos was a scene from Pulp Fiction. And I'm gonna get a lot of flack for this. I don't wanna get bullied for this, but I did watch Pulp Fiction at 14 and was like, oh my God, cinema, right? Everyone does that at 14 and or 13. They watch a Tarantino movie and they're like, oh, I'm so cool. That was my experience with Pulp Fiction. And I was rewatching the scene and I was like, what if I like this? <laughs> what if I'm enjoying myself right now? But it was the scene where, spoilers, Marcellus Wallace is, it's in the pawn shop where there's the gym and um bruce willis's character i forgot his name is being held hostage by the gimp and marcellus wallace is (sighs) rewatching the scene i realized that marcellus wallace is being sexually assaulted but the film presents it i don't even know um and then obviously when i first watched it i did not have a grasp on that on that or what a gimp was um but i was like i still don't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Will we ever know what a gimp is? Um but like I was like objectively this doesn't make sense. Objectively this is unrealistic and this is this is surreal, but the way Tarantino kinda makes movies is that he makes very believable worlds, which is so for a film podcast, that's like the worst thing I could say, right? I not the worst
0: things, but yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, thank you. Um No, but um genuinely he does understand realism quite well and I think that is because he's from an acting mm. background and because he was never formally trained in writing and he yeah. just did writing because he loved it. I think a lot of a very big reason as to why movies nowadays, especially big blockbusters, are shit. Is because it's writers who were trained very formally and very commercially in what writing is. And I think I really reject that. And, in fact, like, I really love the idea of never actually going to school to learn how to write or screenwriting or playwriting. Mm -hmm. And a lot of writers do say, don't learn, just write.
0: I mean, I think a lot of it is pressures, not so much, like, formal education. Because formal education Mm -hmm. can help to an extent, I reckon. But I think a lot of it is, like, the pressure to do, you know, like, say, if you need work and, like, you know, neighbours or home and and away calls up, are you going to say no? Not
1: not really. Nah, I'd say yes to neighbours. Yeah, exactly. Neighbours, hey, do you need someone in the writing room? Hello.
0: But no, I I do get what you mean. Because, like, okay, on Tarantino, I'll say this. My heart take is, I think he's the closest thing we've had to, like, you know, French New Wave, like, all these things. Like, he's the only... He's, like, one of the very few, like, critic creators we've had. That's really true. In our time. Like, he's... (laughs) A a lot of of what he's... But the thing is... But funnily enough, funnily enough, it's interesting. Because of the lack of film knowledge Mm. a lot of people have, that's why he became so mainstream. Oh, absolutely. Because, people looked at his stuff and they were like, oh, my God, Pulp Fiction, this is great. Yeah, and they see... Kill Bill, this is great. But what he's done is essentially just take Copies. from the old guys yeah yeah but because people don't recognize it they see like what he's done as amazing which is in a way opposite to what the French UA did yeah I, <laughs> I was all I, about subverting
1: yeah because obviously when i was like 14 and i watched pulp fiction and i watched the dance scene between um mia wallace and uh john travolta's character And I was like, "Oh, that's so cool! Wow, it's from Eight and a Half. The whole dance is just stolen from Fellini. Mm. And it's because mainstream American audiences just have not seen Eight and a Half. I think,
2: and they haven't seen,
1: yeah, Yeah. true. But they just haven't seen his inspirations or his, um, just what he takes from. So they just think that he's wholly original. the 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 issue is. I think for me, my personal ethical and moral dilemma is that I do respect Tarantino's opinions on film, and I partially respect him as a filmmaker. Partially, oh, no, no. yeah, he's a good filmmaker. I'm not denying that. Yeah, and it's like it's almost unfortunate that he's a good filmmaker. It's almost I'm always I'm sometimes when I watch his shit, I'm almost like, oh god, I wish I hated this.
0: I mean, I'm not saying there's like no originality to him. Obviously, there's, there's a lot of criticism.
1: You can there's a lot buy. more I would rather watch. That, you know, like if I'm having a night in, I don't think, woo, time to put on, um, the hateful Eight, Bye. whatever.
0: Funny you say the movie that's most like theater. Is. is it? Oh, you haven't seen it? mm It's all in, like, one room. Shut up. The majority of it, yeah. No,
1: that means I'll end up liking it. That's he, terrible. Yeah,
0: he wrote it, he wrote it as a kind of like a testing the waters to see if oh. he can write a play, essentially.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, um, like a bit like rope.
0: Uh, for okay. Hitchcock. But, yeah.
1: oh fantastic well that is adapted from a play and it's it's my favorite hitchcock personally nice. it is quite literally the most tense film you might ever see it's all set in one room these two little twinks murder their friend Aww. i'm gonna call them little twinks Cute. because oh my god this it's so homoerotic nice. it is this film that is cited so much as like pinnacle of unspoken gayness whoa um that's a
0: big claim. It you bigger it. than gravity
1: fall? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go and watch it and report back to me and be like, "That's the gayest shit I've ever seen." Because wow, um, they these two guys kill their friend. Just I think they do it. Just they t- basically. Oh, spoilers. oh, it's like opening scene. Then come on, right, yeah, okay. yeah. No
0: spoilers. Take it. I take that back. <laughs> <Listen> to the spoilers,
1: <laughs> um, and they put his body in a suitcase. And they host a dinner party with all of the guy's friends and family. And they set up the dinner table on this suitcase. So his mother eats over her dead son's body and doesn't realize. And Is it's Rocky fantastic. Rocky reference Rocky Horror? Yeah. Is that meant to be a reference to that? What mm-hmm. do you mean?
0: Because you know how, like, they all... Like,
1: oh, they eat. Yeah. Is that meant to be? Oh, anyway. Maybe. I've never thought about that. Hmm. I don't know. It's just a good way to get rid of a body, to eat it. It's like you know the short story where the woman murders her husband with a bit of lamb. Yeah, it's
0: ringing a bell. And then yeah. she
1: feeds the police the the lamb, so she gets rid of the murder weapon, effectively.
0: I I I I recognize it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like a frozen chunk of or like a body part of. It. I don't yeah, know. It's one of those
0: perfect crime stories.
1: Yeah, I don't know meat lingo. Um, <laughs> I don't know what body part of the lamb, the shank. I don't know. I, I gotta get up to date with my meat lingo. Um. <laughs> oh. Yeah, but rope is like, just marvelous. And of course rope, that's even gay. There's a massive thing where they hold the rope and they fidget with it and they like, they're, they're holding it just gaily. It's just gay. they're, yeah. just they're holding like it. Like
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. There's a, there's a really fantastic essay about it that I can't go on, um, that I should be able to cite, but I can't. Uh, okay.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll do a citation, and I like a, re- I like a bibliography at the end of it. <laughs>
1: Thank you. Yep. Little references list.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going back to the your blockbuster mm. rant.
1: Mm. Oh, I'm always
0: Dude. ready for a blockbuster rant. <laughs> so would you would you say would I be correct in assuming that you hate it because it's just telling you, it's just showing you at best the story rather than like making it intrinsic or subtle or. Like, something that you get through osmosis rather than your fences?
1: I think it offers nothing to society other than being a spectacle and a distraction. The same way I view, I love musicals, but I don't like massively commercial musicals because it's like there's no substance. I walk away from a massive blockbuster and Marvel, but also things like the Jason Bourne shit, the James Bond shit, and I walk away like that added nothing to my life. Legitimately, that did nothing for me. I wasn't entertained. (laughs) I wasn't there. And partially, it's because of, you know, the, um, who said it, the Scorsese quote of being like Marvel movies aren't art. And I've like, yeah, I agree. I don't really think that they offer much to society other than frivolous entertainment. And if you enjoy it, that's completely okay. And you're allowed to. We all enjoy shitty things. And I think as long as you're aware that they're a bit shit, cool. <laughs> if you go into a Marvel movie and you are unironically like, "Yes, green screen men do the fighty things," mm, my favorite, I'm like, "Oh, oh man," you know, yeah. and which makes me sound really snobby and like a massive art house cunt. I mean, as long as you're aware of that, but I kind of, I kind of am though. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like God, I've been such a snob. In, like, specifically in class. I don't know who's gonna listen to this. Uh, But yeah! Yeah, and I feel really bad, because I'm like, I'm terrible, because I will rock up to my class, like the, um, screen analysis, seminar, reflection, whatever. Yeah. We'll make our personal canons, and someone will put Interstellar on the canon list, and I will audibly go, oh. Yeah. Have you seen that? Yeah. Okay. I I, I was like, this is terrible, I don't care. Like, Frankly, my I think my biggest issue with big thing, bo- blockbuster things is that I do not care. I don't have an emotional investment hmm. in the in the James Bonds and the Jason Bonds of the world because I'm literally like, you're just a cunt. Yeah. Same with okay. my sort of feelings on Batman, like superhero things. Uh-huh. Batman's that are taken very seriously. Um, yeah. Obviously. The campy, the camp superhero shit I, I fucking love, like 70s Fat Man, fucking great. But the, the things like Dark Knight, and it's just like, it's not that deep. It's a, it's a guy in a fucking cape. And you're trying to make this a serious movie? No, no. Hmm. It's, yeah.
2: Anyway.
1: I just, I, it's just, <laughs> same with like, like the Spider-Man stuff, like I just, I just don't think I care enough. About yes. oh, protecting the city. But in yeah. the same sense, I could definitely be criticized for that because I'm I'm you know, I do enjoy a bit of like Detective Noir. And Detective Noir has the mm-hmm. same thing of like man in coat trying to protect the city. Yeah. You know?
0: Because okay, there's two aspects to this. Mm. Like hit me with them. Like, okay, disregarding you know, the escapism because
1: obviously. Sorry, and escapism as capitalism is a big advances, advances yes. people want more
0: escapism, blah blah blah. And people
1: are allowed to do that. I don't want to come across as like, you are not allowed to watch Marvel. You are definitely allowed. I have watched shitty movies just yeah. because I want escapism, because I want, like, joy. And yeah. every everyone is allowed to do that. And I don't want to come across as being, like, a massive hater. Even though I am.
0: But it's just not your <laughs> taste, right?
1: Yeah. And I think other people are allowed to, but I also think you have to have balance.
0: Because like, the other thing, the other aspect of that is these days, for better or worse, you don't have that many films that, like, properly, in a nuanced way, engage in a conversation within the culture. Yeah. Right? Like, whether yeah. it's, like, political, whether it's about, like, social things, whether it's, you know, philosophical, introspective, whatever you want to call it. You don't get a lot of films that... We don't like have that yeah. Yeah. Like, you do get films like that now and then. Like, I don't know. Sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you, but yeah. also, like, in Australia, like, there's a lo- so many, like, indigenous films and TV shows mm. that are great. Like, you know, like, Shadow. Like, yeah,
1: like Bunya Productions, who yeah. are, like, a very cool production company for doing, like, very female led, primarily First Nations led projects. They, I think they're part of doing Mystery Road, but they, they focus on, like, primarily First Nation crew, cast, stories, yeah. that sort of thing.
0: Yeah. But, like, the thing is, unfortunately, when that happens, people do enjoy things that, like, are good, right? Like, it, that are, that are, sorry, good in the sense that, like, the production is good. Because I feel like mm-hmm. the way you feel about blockbusters, is how I feel about sport. Like,
1: oh, fuck, I hate sport. Because, <laughs> like, like, so
0: many people, especially in Australia, yeah. just fucking froth for sport. They literally... I don't get it! They I wear, don't like, understand you know, it! Like, do you, do you find it weird when people wear, like, Marvel merch and things like that?
1: Uh, no, I understand oh, okay. Marvel merch. Interesting. I understand wearing merch. I wear merch. Okay. I love merch. I, I don't get it, sport merch. Yeah, exactly. I don't <laughs> so, fucking get that. Like, uh, I, I get, you
0: know, why people enjoy it. It's, like, thrilling. You know, mm-hmm. you feel like you're on a side. You want your side to win. Yeah. When your side wins, it's like a celebration. It's a spectacle. Like, similarly, like, all those, like, fucking Mission Impossible, like, yeah, you know, like, whatever you want to call it, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. As much as I love the guy, like, he does movies that, like,
1: there's, no point. there's yeah. no point to them. Yeah, same with sport. What is the point to sport? Like, genuinely, aside (laughs) Aside from a side winning and another side losing, what is the point? Aside from things like,
0: say, for, like, I don't know, like, the Asia Cup, like, Palestine winning, things like that. Like, there's certain, like, and, like, in the UK, there's, like, a history of, like, you know. Left wing Mm. and like more working class and like yeah etc teams lit loving winning against like big fucking city
1: and to be fair a lot of like sport teams especially in Australia sport is a very viable opportunity for people with less opportunities to actually get into and like but I think for fans sport fans perplex me (laughs) and it's really funny how like a sport fan right. You know, your average jock mm-hmm. could watch Blue Velvet by David Lynch and come away from it and be like, what the fuck was that? I would watch an NRL game and come away from it and be like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. I cannot... Yeah. I can't understand footy. can yeah. cannot understand soccer. The fuck is soccer, right? But I can understand a David Lynch movie. Yeah. And I'm- I think it's really interesting that there... I... Yeah. The separation between nerd and jock, man.
0: <laughs> like... Yeah, like, a lot of... Yeah, because you mentioned Marvel movies. Like, a lot of them are like that. Like, they're just, like, you know, like... It's like when she The hero comes out of, like, you know, like, a normal life to, like, embrace their destiny. Ooh. They defeat the villain. Oh, yeah, They yay. save the
1: world. Woo! And, I didn't see that one coming.
0: Yeah, and, like, a lot of that is just that, like, formula. Oh, but, they win? No
1: way. Didn't expect that. Oh. But
0: a lot of Marvel movies, because I like a lot of Marvel movies, Fair enough. are actually, like quite good look they're they're, quite engaging
1: they are very engaging and i'm not i'm not gonna um diss that and a lot of the time they can be quite well made but i don't think they can be like well crafted as a as a legitimate story and as a legitimate emotional investment it's no bicycle thieves
0: which ones have you seen
1: um I don't know. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of them, some okay. of them,
0: because <laughs> yeah. there's, there's like certain movies that I would say are quite. Yeah, like the
1: Taika ones and
0: Thor Ragnarok and like Guardians of the Galaxy. The first I've one I've seen that. Better.
1: You know what though,
0: the and other Infinity War is quite good.
1: The other short film I made last year, my other film major work, my soundtrack for it, I screened it to my class, and then afterwards, the two fucking Marvel nerds in my class were like, "You, that's." Majority of the songs we used are in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I was like, "Shit, I've already submitted this to Nessa, and I can't change it because I'd used like Fleetwood Mac, The Chain." Yeah. And I'd used. Uh,
0: you and James are gonna have similar taste in shit. music.
1: God damn it! <laughs> I just like seventies music. Yeah. Cause and, like. No, you. No, nah, I was, I was just like, oh, that sucks. <laughs> That's a damn shame. Mm. See, so, like Guardians of the Galaxy is at least fun. It's just fun. Yeah. But it's it's a fun time, and that's the same way about Tarantino movies. It's just fun. You don't like yeah. it, you enjoy it at yeah. least for me. And I you can sort of sit back and not have thoughts and sometimes that can be really nice, mm. but I get really tired of it. I get really tired of, of watching not little... any thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do hate having a lot of thoughts, but I hate watching movies where having I no stop thinking. It. yeah mm. and I you, I can do it every now and again. But mm-hmm. I get really sick of it really quickly. And I think it's just this sense of this... I just get really... um I think because it becomes so predictable, I just get... It gets stale. Mm-hmm. And I really quickly disengage if I feel I already know the plot because I feel restless. I feel really, really restless. And I think that's part of why I don't like it because I feel itchy. And I'm like, I already know how this ends. I don't want to sit through it. I, I don't want to do this because... It's so predictable. Mm. And for me, that's that's a big reason why I don't like it. Because it's just, you know exactly where it's going to go. And I think it's like every single Marvel movie is just a different variation variation of putting the same pig in a different lipstick.
2: Mm. Correct, so. yeah,
1: yeah. And it's like, it's always going to be the hero's journey. It's just that there's a different character with different lore. And because they have different powers or different worlds or different characters people think it's a different movie it yeah is,
0: but it's not I mean, a lot of times it is but like like i get what you mean but like the thing is sometimes they are like certain movies i would say you know like spider-man he's like Which i get you hate spider-man like spider-man is a character right oh okay like he's meant to be like just a kid
1: see i like, like that you know it's trying to like deal
0: with life yeah, well, that's also cool. Trying to deal with like being a superhero?
1: That's funny. That's cool. There's yeah. a lot there's a lot of comedic potential in that that I don't think is very taken advantage of. Yeah. Um, I I think it's difficult to take a Marvel movie seriously. Sure. I I think my issue I've come to realize is people or stories who take themselves way too seriously than they need to.
0: And part of the... But what determines how serious they need to take themselves?
1: I don't know. Mm-hmm. But part of why I love Tim and Eric so much is because they don't take themselves seriously. They mm. understand that what they're doing doesn't make sense, and it, it doesn't need to. And yeah. that, like, nothing matters and we're all going to die. As long as funny. As long as it's funny, that's yeah. all that matters. Mm. And they just don't take themselves seriously. And that's part of why I really, really like it. And I try not to take myself too seriously, because it's like, why?
0: Yeah. Because... These days, you have like Marvel films, which are like the big blockbusters, which take them. I agree with you. A lot of them do take themselves too seriously. And compared to like the campy Batman stuff in the seventies, it's mm. not campy at all. Yeah, like
1: like the most recent Batman, Robert Pattinson, so ass took itself so yeah. seriously. Try it. Tried so so hard to be this super cool like noir movie. And I kind of went into it expecting it to be really full on with the noirness. And right. it wasn't. And I was like, this is, this is a fully grown man in a Halloween costume parading around Gotham, trying to fuck Catwoman. I mean, don't we all want to, whatever, Zoe Kravitz Hotel. But like, how? How do you take this seriously? In the writer's room, and you look at Batman as a character and you're like, this is just a really fucked up, like, yeah. virgin, Sigma male. We have nothing against virgins. Um yeah. <laughs> But we we support virgins. We love virgins. I just I just want to call Batman a virgin. As a, as, a <laughs> okay. as a derogatory term, Batman is a massive fucking virgin.
0: Yeah, okay, only only to Batman. Only it's to a Batman. derogatory term. <laughs> All the other virgins we love you. Yeah, because like, it's hard for us to like, you know, know to what extent that's economic pressures. Because such mm. film is such a big industry, right? Like, there's so much pressure. Well, in some cases, just pure selloutness mm. for, like, Disney or whoever to, like, create these things that are just going to be eaten up by, That's like, so, international yeah. audiences because yeah. of, like, the spectacle that they are.
1: I think but, they'd make more money if they treated Batman as, like, a John Waters film. Fuck, I'd love that.
0: Maybe, but, like, they really want to – because – they're such a spectacle and because we're living in an era where there isn't, thankfully there's more now, but there isn't much like, you know, film production, film productions that are actually engaging and deep and thoughtful and stuff. Mm. You do have the audience for it, unfortunately. But another big problem I have with Marvel films is that they kind of appropriating all this culture and role lore, yeah, that's been created by the comics, yeah, to just be like vapid.
1: That's my massive like, thing with Disney as well. They yeah. literally like people are talking about how like oh they're making like Moana, Encanto, um the other ones that rip off other cultures, and it's like that that people are like oh they're doing it for representation. No, they're doing it to tap into other markets that aren't white people, obviously, mm. and like it's so fantastic to have representation it is phenomenal seeing like young kids of the world watching Moana and seeing themselves represented back on a screen I think that is so beautiful and spectacular but it is also deeply saddening when you know that Disney are only doing that to make money off of that child so that that child goes and buys a Moana costume
0: yeah like and Kanto is like great like it's Amazing. I you disagree know, like,
1: sorely, but that's okay.
0: No, as in, like, to watch, like,
1: <laughs> oh, like, like, as a visual as, like, a spectacle. Film. It's a
0: well made yeah. film. Like, the songs are great. It's, you know, great representation. Mm. Like, but the thing is, it's, like, there's nothing to do with, like, apart from, you know, like, some very vague allusions to, like, civil wars. There's nothing about their actual culture, yeah. about, like, their actual language about mm. the history, about, like, current politics in, like, Latin America. It's just, it's just using that culture. To make money. And, like, yeah, and just taking out all the things. The bright, colourful bits. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, like, taking out, like, all the things that are real and, like, messy and, like, complicated and just presenting something that's, like, you know, entertaining and it is, it's a good story about a family, you know. Sure, no, that's great. No.
1: The grandmother is, like, abusive. I'm sorry, but I would not have forgiven oh, okay.
0: her okay. straight yeah.
1: up. I like, I think my main... That is a
2: problem. Yeah, yeah. My
1: main pet peeve with Encanto, aside from it just existing to make money off of like <laughs> Latin American culture, mm-hmm. um, is that the end message of the film being that they all forgive the grandmother is so foul. She was disgusting to them. Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, yeah. a. she was such a bully. Yeah. And they bullied the main character. And personally... But they sell it
0: as a thing of like, oh, you know, it comes from like her own shortcomings and feelings of powerlessness. Cool. But that isn't but enough for you?
1: No. Because it, it, it isn't for me, but... Personally, personally, I am estranged. So I... um, Like I have not forgiven my grandparents for what they've right. done to my family. And I would never forgive them. Because frankly, I don't think that just because you're related to someone you have to have an obligation to forgive them and i didn't i hated that that's the message that the movie was giving that you have to forgive your family just because they're related to you and i think that's in my opinion that is terrible to actually tell kids that because mm-hmm. it's telling these young minds forming and that are forming through watching these media pieces pieces of media that whatever your family does to you it's okay because blood. Mm. And that saying of, what is it? Blood is thicker than water. Love yeah, it. Yeah. Which is saying? actually
0: not the original saying. Yeah.
1: But, but th- I think that's genuinely very toxic. And I think mm. it means that kids grow up accepting any forms of abuse or manipulation mm. because, because they might think back to Encanto and be like, oh, well, no, they all forgave each other for that. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if it's that deep. Yeah, it's, it's obviously no, it, it yeah. is to an extent, and like obviously you're like exaggerating because like like a lot of the ending is the fact that the grandma forgi- forgives and mm. like accepts. I think it's Mirabelle. Yeah. Oh, obviously it's non excusable, and obviously she doesn't like. But also the fact you that a tone or like it doesn't undo what she did.
1: Yeah, and I I don't know how to I don't know what she could. But have that's done how they're like up selling to, it. Yeah, but obviously their entire treatment of Bruno the is so sad i felt like i felt genuinely really heartbroken seeing this character who literally he just did what they told him to do
0: that's literally his ability
1: yeah like they said to him okay predict my future he said okay here it is and they said fuck you get the fuck out and he had to go and like be completely separated from from them from them for years yeah and that's trapped in literally the walls of the house in a a depressive rut yeah. That is so sad. Yeah. That is hor like horrifyingly sad. Yeah. And As a
0: narrative device, great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like a me- social message. Terrible. Oh. And it's just like I it just I that really perturbed me. It really got under my skin. Mm-hmm. And after I'd watched it, I was like, I, I saw it with a group of people, and I was like, Why do you guys not see issue with this? And they're like, Parker, it's a Disney movie. Like, calm down. It's not that deep. And I was like. Yeah, but that's fucked. <laughs> mm. I, I like, and I know I'm definitely taking it too seriously. And partially, yeah. I am taking it too seriously because I'm a film student, you know. Like yeah, I mean, I'm
0: sure, like, friggin Hitchcock and like,
1: like. I wonder what Hitchcock like, would think of it. And, <laughs>
0: and like all these directors and filmmakers. Whatever, I'm sure they had like problematic messages. They but do. But I think they, they didn't do. have the yeah. scale and like the magnitude of audience that Disney does. The
1: thing is with Hitchcock and, and Godard, Godard, sorry, their problematic messages are just on women. Like they're just like it's it's more you could objectify and be really mean to your girlfriend, but she'll probably end up forgiving you because you're a man. And the woman has to forgive the man. That's that's my only thing yeah, with them. That's just men. More man. more so more so more so Jaune. More so Johnny boy.
0: Yeah. yeah, I
1: mean Hitchcock was very
0: unapologetic about how fucked up he was. (laughs) So we can't really blame him for Mm. trying to to sneak those messages in, I guess.
1: Yeah. I've been listening to a lot of Radiohead recently. Make of that what you will. And I, at the same time, when I was younger, I'd listen to Radiohead and I'd also listen to Johnny Greenwood and the soundtracks and be like, fuck this Johnny guy's good. I have no yes, idea Johnny. until very recently that Johnny Greenwood is of Radiohead. Oh. Yeah. like As I As
0: in, ha- like, not before the trivia night?
1: No, um, I knew before the trivia night. Oh, okay. That's... I... I don't know. I think I only found out, like, the beginning of this year. And I was like, what? The guy, mm. the Johnny Greenwood guy, whose soundtracks I listen to all the time, is, a, is the guitarist of Radiohead. Are you serious? And I... It, it's really it's really insane to me and i was like that explains why radiohead makes such good music like why the music is so good but also insane how good johnny greenwood is fuck that guy knows how to put together music jeez yeah god yeah. and another thing i found out like last week is that um jarvis cocker did some of the songs from the french dispatch no oh. he did the, he did this album he? Jarvis Cocker is the frontman man of Pulp. Pulp.
0: I fucking yeah, yeah, love.
1: Yeah. And I've been listening to this album Pulp non-stop. Chansons de New Tip Top, which is a companion album to the French Dispatch. And I had Aww. no idea. That's great. And so the song so you cute. hear in the sound, tra- the like the trailer,
0: yeah.
1: is Jarvis Cocker. Nice. And I always thought it was just a French singer. Yeah, nice. And then I listened to the Jarvis Cocker album and was like, what? It's mm. Jarvis. I thought it was an actual French guy, but no, it's just fucking british dude from Mm. pulp yeah i do love the intersection of music and film because Jarvis cocker did originally go to university and study film
0: yeah that's Mm. wild
1: but um i was also looking at i've just been very been listening to a lot of pulp recently Mm -hmm. i pulp is a band that really got me through high school like i was really obsessed with them um and i'm sort of back into that uh yeah and their song do you remember the first time which plays in the background of the pub scene in the world's end fun fact the remember. world's end the world's the final end film of the cornetto trilogy yes the world's right the best you're one of the cornetto us, in my opinion what? yeah what's your favorite from the cornetto trilogy don't say hot fuzz you just fucking say hot fuzz aren't you
0: uh like it used to be hot fuzz i'm <sighs> gonna lie but it's sean
1: Really, Sean's pretty good. World's End is like top. That's so interesting. I I dislike the ending. That's like the prologue thing. That what ending? The the very the prologue
0: at the Spoilers, end. What is by the way? What?
1: The one where the entire world is over and 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 um, oh yeah, and and Gary, it's like a
0: post apocalyptic. Yeah, and Gary Yeah, King that's weird. That was, that was unnecessary. They could have just it very, ended it. I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Oh, it's before. the twenty
1: second of June. Today is literally the day. Where Gary King and his crew do the Golden Mile. 22nd nice. of June is Golden Mile Day, which is fantastic. Just sing. So by the way. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, I didn't like that. But okay. the rest of the movie is, it's my favorite from the Cornetto trilogy. Interesting. It's, yeah. for me, top three is like World's End, Hot Fuzz, and then Shaun of the Dead.
2: Hmm. I okay. love
1: Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. And I dressed up as Sean mm-hmm. this time last year. So it's, mm. you know, happy anniversary to that. Yeah. Um.
0: It's just, look, it's just so, so funny.
1: What is Sean?
0: Sean, yeah.
1: It's yeah, but well done, man. Um, what was I saying? Oh, so do you remember the first time? Is a song that plays in the background of one of the first pubs? They st- it's the first pub they stop at when um Nick Frost's character is drinking water.
0: I don't remember. No.
1: And fuck you then. <laughs> sure. Um, but the music video for that is inspired by an experimental filmmaker named Tony Hill,
0: who's that does not sound like an experimental name.
1: It's, it, right? It doesn't. Sounds but like he, Yeah. He's like a he's like a regular fella. Nice. But he did this film called Downside Up, uh, short film. It's fantastic. And he makes his own camera rigs that you. Oh, so oh I think I've
0: heard of this guy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he,
1: God, he's amazing. Nice. You just have to watch it. Mm. It's the most brilliant manipulation of plane I've ever seen in my life. Plane. Yeah. Mm, interesting. It's beautiful. And so the music video for. Do you remember the first time is directly inspired by it? More stolen. And Jarvis Cocker specifically discovered Tony Hill while he was at uni and watched Downside Up and said, I want to make a music video like that. Hmm. That's a, that's a tidbit. That was a really elongated tidbit.
0: So, all right. Broadly speaking. Yes. I reckon there's three, maybe four, but three reasons people watch movies. Ooh. For entertainment reasons. Yeah. For, um, Escapism reasons.
1: Which can or, kind know, of be entertainment insane. a little bit.
0: Okay. For entertainment reasons, for story reasons, and for cultural reasons. Which one would you say you are the most?
1: Um, I disagree with you. Okay. I think people watch movies not for any conscious reason. I think the reason we watch movies is completely subconscious.
0: Oh, I'm not saying, like, people mm. intend to be, like... Ooh, instead of a novel, maybe I'd rather watch a movie. Mm. But, like...
1: I think I watch films because I like them. I just really love film. And I think... Mm-hmm. If you, like... If, if you look at my letterbox... Like, I really struggle to give anything below... If I hate something, I will give it... I will One be star. Yeah, I'll be very... I can be very... I can very quickly become harsh... But a
0: majority of the so time... So Captain America is one star?
1: <laughs> no. Less. Aw. Cute. As long as it goes. Yeah. Zero. Fuck that Can guy. you give zero? You can't. It's frustrating. Huh, well, you can give it, like, nothing, and then you can just do it. Anyway. Anyways. Um, a lot of my reviews are, like, four four to five stars because I just... I really fucking like film. And a lot of the mm-hmm. time, I will watch anything and everything, and I will probably end up really enjoying it. I Sorry. <laughs>
0: and
1: I just... A good majority of the time I do really like things. Uh I think that's also because I tend to pick movies that I know I like. There have been movies where I've watched where I've been like, I hey, fuck this.
0: Mm. Yeah. So um, you rewatch films a lot?
1: Um not a lot, not recently. I think I'm ve- the one movie I really want to rewatch right now is Sexy Beast. Sexy um, Beast. It's the same director who did Under the Skin and I didn't know that. Oh. And I mm. love Sexy Beast. It is one of my favorites of all time. I just haven't rewatched it recently enough to really assertively say that. But God, it's good. Mm. I watched it, that was one I watched, I think, like 15. Mm. And I didn't properly get at the time, but I think when I rewatch it now, I'll be like, yeah. Because mm. there's a lot of things, oh God, it's good.
0: God, yeah.
1: Nice. Gosh. I try I not to rewatch.
0: on my letterbox. Guys, mm. if you don't have letterbox, get letterbox.
1: Yeah, follow um, and, me, Misa yeah. Parker. Follow I, me at movie watching. <laughs> I just I try really hard not to rewatch. I sometimes if I catch myself being like, Oh I rewatch it, I'll be like, No, I have to be watching new things right now. Um hmm. so when I generally speaking, I don't adhere to any genre that I really love hmm. or any time period that I really love. Because I really like all of it. I don't hmm. love some of the 2000s stuff. I don't love some of the newer stuff. Obviously. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, back to the way. Really quickly back to the Marvel discussion. I had a thought about how... I was thinking about how sad it is that uh, a lot of the movies being made now just don't get enough of a commercial recognition or they don't get enough of a release in commercial theatres. And And then I was thinking about how crazy it is that, like, back in when hitchcock was active going to the cinema to watch rear window was very normal you now that isn't mm. and because we don't have our equivalent of like a rear window to go to see like when you go to the cinema mm. you're watching very commercial blockbuster things yeah. and i was thinking about how triangle of sadness the this year's um palm Dior winner yeah. doesn't have a commercial release in cinemas it doesn't have like a long standing one good solid couple of weeks in a dandy, yeah yeah or in no, like an, in in an events Mm. And I'm just seeing about how like in like pre Marvel that was the norm for a Palm Dior winner to stay in a cinema for a couple of weeks. Mm. Or at least a week. And now, in my opinion, because of Marvel that and because of a lot bigger commercial movies, that doesn't happen as much.
0: Yeah. Like movie marketing has
1: So sad.
0: Changed the industry so much. Because oh, like God, whenever yeah. like I mean like even my parents, but like whenever I would like watch old movies Mm -hmm. or, like, hear, like, my, like, parents' generation, like, my aunts and uncles talk about it or, like, when you, like, I don't know, when you consume culture from before the 2000s, -hmm. people talked about movies a lot more. Yeah. Like, when people would list, like, things about their date that they liked, they'd be like, yeah, they were funny, you know, like, they, like, were, like, generous, they liked and understood and got movies yeah. things like that yeah yeah but these days you know like movie appreciation isn't like a quality yeah that like you even see represented that much anyway. no
1: literally people are like what's your type what do you look for in a partner and all the time I'm always like oh I don't have a type my fucking type is if you like movies yeah, like
0: yeah.
1: I could not at all imagine being with or being someone who doesn't yeah. who isn't as crazy about film like there's a I can't remember the name like, but like
0: there's this um really nice Bollywood film in which... Recent? You know how, like... like or old? Uh, it's not that old. It's, like, 90s. Oh, nice. But you know how, like, in, like, a classic romance, they're not going to like each other at the start, and then, like, oh. in this one scene after that point, they start, like, Animes liking to each other them. whatever?
1: Yeah, nice. Nah, it's, it's
0: not enemies to lovers per se. It's just, like, you know... Mild just, like, dislike. Romance
2: develops... Yeah
0: yeah it's like a it's an unlikely romance Mm. um and the scene in which they like start developing feelings for each other Mm. is like this discussion about a film and like the woman changes his mind
1: oh that's lovely oh god that's nice
0: Mm. and you don't really get scenes like that anymore
1: yes see like honestly I do genuinely really think that Marvel and big commercial blockbuster films are killing cinema and killing cinema appreciation because they're becoming the norm of entertainment when back in the day, the norm of entertainment was, it had a lot of variety. You had your mm. Casablanca and you had your Rear Window, you know, you yeah. had, sorry, those are two different time periods. Very. I'm really bad with dates, but I know Cas- What's the Golden Mile Day. Yeah, exactly. Because Yeah. is twenty and Rewind is 40s, 40s or 50s. One of those. Oh, great. Anyways, but there were there there was variety, isn't think, it? In I the think 80s, Rio Windows definitely 50s. Definitely. Sorry. Yeah. Oh yeah. At least 50s it's incul- a lot later. Wizard was yeah. Wizard was the first that too, film. That too.
0: But it really, I think it like really took off around the time of fucking what's what's that fucking James Dean film? Something car.
1: <laughs> James Dude film, something car. That's all of them, man. Uh, <laughs> okay, yeah, that
0: doesn't really matter.
1: Though. Um,
0: Rebel Without a Cause.
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yep. Um, but, Which was yeah, but like 50s. in say like the early eighties, you know, there was such a good variety of quality, and you could go to a cinema and you could watch some vastly different like things. Like Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. well, you had Indiana Jones, but you also had, like, Blue Velvet. You Mm. also just had good shit mixed in. Now when you go to a cinema, it's so saturated with only commercial things. And that's why I try very... Like, obviously, I'm trying very hard to support, like, the Ritz and the Golden Age. Hashtag Mm. shout-out. But it's expensive. And, you know, the Valhalla Cinema rest in peace rest in peace the most beautiful cinema i've only ever heard of in stories from my parents and my it's friends literally parents. mythological it legitimately is like it is it, it's be- it's like a household name of something i will never see um, and their tickets were like four bucks for a double feature of like solaris and koi and nice or a double feature of like rear window and dial m for murder And that was a classic night in. Mm. And you could go there and you could always go and see a razorhead or Paris, Texas, or just classics. Mm. Classic art films. And now that's just not a thing. No. And it makes me deeply, deeply sad.
0: Like the thing is they're still they're still made, but they're just not really released. Yeah. But
1: they are, but then they aren't.
0: But they're not like released, you Mm. know. They're not like brought like they're not like Sent to the world. Yeah. Because I always found art house and, like, cultural so interesting. Because coming from India, there wasn't really that much of it. Right. Like, in, like, well, I don't know much about, like... You
1: guys got some good art house shit, though.
0: Yeah, but, like, apart from Tollywood and Nollywood and, like, all the other, um like, smaller What's... ones. Smaller, like, Indian, like, spheres. Bollywood is so fucking industrial.
1: Oh, like it's still yeah.
0: very much like the Hollywood model. Yes. Apart from like they uh, them owning cinemas, it's still very much like you have like people massive on these sets. long contract yeah. tracks, massive sets. Yeah. You have like people that you know do like the individual thing. Like you have people that are employed just to like like write lyrics. You have musicians, yeah. like music departments, art departments massive that are just just for movies, nothing yeah. else. Yeah. And and you, like, and you get you still get like you said. Art house and whatever films, but they're within this like gigantic industry. But
1: you know what? Whereas here
0: you don't have that. They're
1: still of quality. I would like so I so prefer Bollywood over Marvel. Like I watched Gangubai recently.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: fun. Yeah. Oh my god! Like it is yeah. literally fantastic. Mm. And I know that it has the same thing of it's a spectacle. It's it's pure entertainment. Mm. But I had a I had a lot more fun investing in that story world than I would for. Yeah. You know? Or, well, like, Captain America. Mm. And I just felt... I just loved it. I had a really great time, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, but I, I I think, like, for me, even though Bollywood is very commercial and it's a massive industry, and it's... it As an industry, it almost has the same weight as Marvel. I honestly feel more inclined to it. And I like it more.
0: Yeah. See, the thing is, like, I feel like Bollywood can afford to have flops. Yes. Like because it's so big and because it makes both the blockbusters and like the art house and like niche and weird horror weird erotic whatever have you films. It can just like release them and even if they don't do so well, mm. even if they only have like a cult or whatever following, they'll still keep making them. Whereas yeah. I feel like Hollywood or Netflix, Disney, whatever it is these days,
1: you know, there's an, doesn't
0: feel like they can take those risks.
1: Yeah, like harking back to Auntie Donna, there's, I think it's a podcast where they're talking about the process of making their Netflix show, and I think it's Broden Kelly who says this. One of them says it, and it's a quote that I don't know stuck with me. Um, they're talking about the fact, I think it's a Q and A, and there's a question about like how did they even get it made with Netflix, um their comedy is weird but even big old house of fun is tame compared to some of their other stuff and one of them is talking about how netflix is kind of like this mother of all of these kids and if one of them falls off a skateboard it's alright because there's still a bunch of other kids so if one of them flops it's okay because the success of all of the others will cover it like the success of stranger things is covering any other Netflix show that might flop right now.
0: Yeah. Like, half of Netflix is covered by Things.
1: Yeah. So, it like, genuinely, people like us and the art house kids, we need Marvel to actually survive because without Marvel, counterculture wouldn't exist. I think it would. Anyway, yeah. mm, But also, without the mainstream, the counter to it doesn't happen. And without the mainstream, it doesn't actually push us to want to pursue art and counterculture. And... You know, without, almost without the pressure of how shitty Marvel movies are, it doesn't motivate us to make, like if all, if every movie made was really good and every movie, if Art House was mainstream, you know, we wouldn't be as challenged. Hmm. So it's almost like, to be controversial, it's almost good that Marvel happens because it keeps us in our corner. It (laughs) it, It keeps us alternative. Yeah. Which is, a positive and a negative.
0: Yeah.
1: And... I mean,
0: I I get that, but... Sorry.
1: No, yeah. And it's sort of like... With Netflix, it's like, you can make a flop with them because you will be covered by Stranger Things. Yeah. Or... God, what else do they make? So much. Same with things. sort of like Adult Swim. Because you, if you make a flop with Adult Swim, you'll be covered by Rick and Morty. <laughs> like... Or the Eric Andre show that have a very yeah. solid cult following. Some of it's moving to HBO, though. Oh, of course, so,
0: of course. But yeah, yeah I, I agree with you in the sense that like counterculture wouldn't exist if that didn't. But I feel like you still have good movies. I feel like you'd still have good cinema. But it's interesting that there is that space which is only relative to like the mainstream blockbuster stuff for yeah. weird art house, you know, like experimental whatever cinema.
1: Yeah, like honestly, I would love to see a version of the world where more experimental art house things were the mainstream, mm. and then to see what becomes counterculture to art house. Yeah, you know, mm. I think that would be really fascinating. Yeah, perhaps it would be movies that just make perfect sense, and where the where the audience are told like every plot point, and the exposition is really extreme. Like you, know, like I do love old Hollywood. I do. Mm.
0: Yeah, what do you think of um, Gilda?
1: I actually missed that screening. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> then I didn't. I was like, I'll watch it on the weekend, and then I didn't. Oh, so so everyone Casablanca. hated it. How do
0: you think? What do you think Well, have about
1: I'll I'll speak to a Casablanca. I didn't finish, mm-hmm. not on purpose. Um, I got distracted, but also I was like, God, I feel hit over the head, and I like I was enjoying it, but I was just like, mm. and I was watching Sunset Boulevard, mm-hmm. and I remember. I think I got very close to finishing that one and then didn't. I don't, there's like, there's like a whole group of films I haven't probably finished watching because I get to a point of like, is it, I kind of know where this is going. I don't know if it's worth it. Um, and I sound pretentious and wanky. I'm like, I never finished watching Sunset Boulevard. Like, how annoying is that? If I was listening to this podcast and I heard myself say that, I'd be like, you're a cunt, but you watch Sunset Boulevard and tell me how it goes because yeah. I like it. I enjoyed it. And I, but I think I only liked it looking back on it. Looking back on Sunset Boulevard, I liked it. But in the moment of watching it, I was like, Oh my god, don't do not do not narrate again. If you narrate this, I'm going to leave. And I did. <laughs> like and I felt just I just felt way too hit over the head. And, and looking then, back, would you like? Mm, like retrospectively, I'm like, oh that was a good film. I think I hated on it too much. And I think it's like objectively sure, it's a good movie. I wouldn't put it in a canon and I wouldn't, it was watched and it was experienced, but I just feel, I, yeah, I just felt hit over the head. And I think sometimes I didn't feel like I was valued as an audience. Yeah. I felt like, I I just felt like I was like being treated as like a dumb audience member. And that's mm. really what old Hollywood was about.
0: Yeah, a lot of it was just, yeah, mm. just and then straight up exposition
1: yeah and then so when we watched experimental shit and mm-hmm. we watched i know bicycle thieves still kind of hits you over the head a little bit but it does it less so and i was like god this is so much better yeah i last year at Bad i mean i'm glad i watched it but the more i think about it the more a little bit of dislike grows in me <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> what are you thinking about um it's a movie that I continuously come back to and I'm like, did I like it? Right. And I have to like I have to stop and be like, did I like it? Because I don't know. Yeah. It's really difficult for me to answer that. Oh, I'm gonna rewatch it when I'm like 30 years old. And okay. and then I'll decide. I think yeah. that's my plan. I wonder
0: how I would have felt about it if I watched it when I was 18.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Cause it, it's yeah, it's interesting because I love that film. It yeah. Was, potentially it
1: it could just be like an age thing because i watched um i watched american beauty i i remember i watched that at 13 or 14 Uh maybe 13 and was like oh my god this is cinema right obviously i hadn't seen a lot of other films and kevin
0: spacey wasn't cancelled (laughs) then.
1: kevin yeah kevin spacey was just kevin yeah
0: um
1: and then I rewatched it now at like 18 and was like, Oh, I still really like this. Hmm. I wouldn't call it like the pinnacle of cinema, but God, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm going to have to last year at Marinbad is one I'm saving in my back pocket for just give me like 10 years and I'll, I'll come back to it.
0: Cause for me, like I, I liked it so much because like it just hits you on the head with yeah. everything except. Like exposition and like story and yeah
1: like, it's, know, a, like it's a all those things it's a movie with so much story yet no story, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly and exactly. like I love that,
0: yeah, it's I all love... about like the fucking little details, I think and, like, like why the music suddenly crescendoing
1: yeah, and like why do we have like these so things. many jump scares of organ, yeah they, like their audio mixing was and, like terrible <laughs> close up and, like sudden wide, <laughs> yeah, components. and I do love it's really disorienting, and I love that I yeah. think for me. Genuinely, part of the reason why I didn't like it is because I got about 20 minutes in, I there was so much anxiety within me while I was watching it. And I felt so, like, disgustingly anxious. And it wasn't like an anxiety or a panic attack. It was just this growing sense of nausea and just discomfort in watching this film and so much like fear, literal terror watching it because it was for me, if I was that woman and I was stuck in this hotel and I had nowhere to go with a husband that didn't love me and wouldn't protect me if things got out of hand with a man effectively gaslighting me for days on end, harassing me and not leaving me alone and coming up to me and saying like, I know you and you did this. And I had no recollection of it. That is so terrifying. Like, that's genuinely the stuff of nightmares. Having someone harass you into into false memories so terrifying. Mm. And I think I just sat in the cinema, like, with this feeling in my stomach, like, oh, I hate this. And I think that really affected my thoughts on the movie. Mm. And I think that's why I have to rewatch it, where I'm in a state of not, I just, I cannot that, describe. Is tell you
0: my theory about this? About that movie?
1: You didn't. Oh, well, we discussed theories, but what's your main?
0: My theory is that, like, the mm. lover and the husband are the same character.
1: Oh, that's right.
0: And, like, this fucking gigantic, opulent palace and, like, gardens or something, like, she's created to, like, escape from him.
1: You see, I had a thing of,
0: I think the guy. But like, she wants to get lost within these walls. She wants to, like, she wants to be somewhere that's like so elaborate that neither he or she can remember what was going on where it was Mm. apart from like Mm. it was in mario somewhere
1: yeah i had this theory that like maybe she did meet um Mm. the crazy guy at some point or maybe Mm -hmm. she like passed him on the street and i feel like she was on this holiday with her annoying boring husband who's obsessed with this card game and she's like god you're you're annoying you're a twat and i thought She just invented the guy, maybe, as a form of excitement in her life because it was so boring. But then I I, I thought about that. I got that theory like halfway through the movie, and then I sort of found myself not believing it. It was a passing thought, basically. By the time the movie had ended, I was like, actually, I don't know. And I don't know if I care what really is the correct version of the plot because it's just a movie that's like a thing. It's just like mm-hmm. a thing that you sit and you watch and you go, oh, that happened. Bye.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. and I think part there's a really big part of me that is like, no, I should like this. I should. But mm-hmm. there's another part of me that is like, oh, but do I? Why, why? do you think you should like it? Because it's beautiful. And I think the fact the fact that it was able, art. yeah, right. the fact that it had such a visceral response incited within me is makes me want to like it. Because mm. I do love when a film has the ability to do that. Yeah. And a lot of the organ was responsible for that. And fuck, I love a good organ. Oh. Organ is severely underrated.
0: Yeah. Have, like, you, have you heard films which have like a good harp? No. Uh, harp <sighs>
1: you got to send me a list of harp films with good harp in them. Mm. But I... My local church um Has like organ like recitals, and I'm always very tempted to go because I do really love organ, and I loved the way last year Marinade used organ. For me, though, what also takes me off was that we watched it in the context of um, a lecture about the French New Wave. Yeah, and I watched Marenbad being like, "This is what this is. This doesn't fit into the lecture."
0: Yeah, it does. It's about it's a left bank director. It's not fucking Godard or whatever.
1: Yeah, but I I thought it was so it was so. Gothic, and it was so, like, in the context of a lecture about a genre of film that was about youth movements and this, like, people, kids out on the street, not opulence and not rich people in, mm. in hotels and manners. I, I just like felt it, yeah. discomforted in that. And I was a bit like, Duncan, fuck you, man. I was expecting kids running around the streets of Paris, terrassing.
0: Yeah. Like, my main criticism mm. of that film, like, would be the fact that when you have this opportunity to create something experimental, like, and I, I get, obviously, they're trying to be artsy, wanky, whatever you want to call it, but you don't need to, like, make it about, like, rich people or about opulence, about, like,
2: yeah.
0: old-timiness, whatever to make it art like that yeah this is why i love which is what i didn't expect from left bank people because apparently from like more working class
1: exactly so when duncan was like we're watching like a left bank movie i was like oh yay like lower class stuff Mm. and then i was watching Marenbad, like okay like when when do the poor people appear when yeah. when do we transition out of the hotel and we never left the hotel and I was like oh mm. I felt really claustrophobic and it was kind of like for me *meren Bad, I view it as like Tim Burton's *The Shining*. Oh okay. Like it was so gothic and it was so claustrophobic mm. and I was like yeah why we why are we not watching *Masculine Feminine* please? Because like in the in the lecture when
0: like um. What do I forget his name? Duncan? Duncan, yeah. In
1: the hey, lecture. How could today you forget Duncan?
0: I'm sorry. Um <laughs> Hey,
1: shout out Duncan if you're listening.
0: <laughs> love <laughs> in, you. Love you, Duncan. In in the lecture when Duncan was all like, so, you know, like the Kaya du Cinema filmmakers, mm. they were all about like taking traditional mm. stories and making it weird. Mm. Whereas like the Left Bank were more about like, experimenting with film itself as a genre
1: and that's very reflected in Marinbad. Yeah. i so see i understand why he chose it but also i don't
0: but like after he said that i was like oh cool if they're experimenting with like convention you know i would love to see like a story that's like rooted in like you know yeah the politics of france mm. at the time that's rooted in like like the fact that all these it's not just in cinema but like in life like young people are, like, defying conventions, mm-hmm. all these things. Like, people don't want to live like a stock standard, like, lifestyle anymore. But yeah. the film was about, like, this fucking like, rich-ass upper-class, like, yeah. couple. Yeah. You know, which, and I like, think, you don't care about.
1: And I wanted to empathize with which them.
0: Which the film but is, I like... struggled. Yeah. Because exactly. they were rich. Like, the film wants you to, like, care about them. And you uh. you do feel what they're feeling, but... You don't care about that. I personally didn't. Like, I I get, mm. you know, I get, like, longing, you know, like, whatever, like, a loss of beauty, like, et cetera, whatever you want to call it, you know, like, the end of the honeymoon period, whatever.
1: Yeah. But I don't care for them. I no, don't, I don't care. Like I don't it. care for the
2: characters. No, no. no
1: they just... Uh, and I know that's partially what the French New Wave wanted to do. They partially wanted to have these characters that were, like, didn't have goals, didn't have wants, they were just existing, and the audience don't necessarily have to empathize with them because audiences are always emotionally manipulated in film. And, you know, it's, it's again that idea that Brecht was talking about where he was sick of theater emotionally manipulating audiences. So he made theater that made you aware that they were actors. So you actually don't have the chance to empathize with them. And I like that. I do really like that in theater and film.
0: But. Yeah, if there's a lot more room for it in theater.
1: Yeah. But I just. I was really expecting.
0: Well, commercially, sorry.
1: Mm. Yeah. yeah, I was just really not expecting that for French New Wave pick. I just would not have screened that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have done Breathless either. But no, I, I wouldn't have, have either. I've seen a whole lot of French New Wave.
1: Very
0: enough. Yeah. Okay.
1: Got yeah. It. I I don't want to talk about it too much because I could talk about it forever. Yeah. Is is but...
0: 400 blows French New Wave? Ask Flynn. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've literally only seen like Breathless, Marine Bard, and 400 Blows if that counts. I haven't seen a whole lot of French Waves. I, so,
1: okay. I don't. I don't want to say I think it does in case I get bullied for it.
0: Whatever. Um, we we're gonna bully you regardless. But, so um, true.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But myself included. You might hate me for this. Say but, it. But I'm one of those people that like once I get a taste for from once I get a taste of something. Mm. Uh, I often think that's enough, and I move on.
1: That's not like like to me. For too, me like when I when
0: I watch Breathless, I'm like, all right, I've got a taste of French New Wave. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it I
1: do the same thing. I can be a little bit impatient because all I've seen in French New Wave is masculine and feminine, and I'm such right. a cunt about it because I'm like, oh, I love this movie, and then people will be like, what else have you seen from New Wave, and I'm like, oh, not a lot, <laughs> which is terrible of me. Like I know that is deeply irresponsible of me as a filmmaker, as a student of film. That is terrible of me to do. But I just really liked it. And, like, the alternative title is, like, The Children of Marx and Coca-Cola. And I just... Right? <laughs> like, it's a good time. And it's That's just... That's a great title. Yeah, actually. and I it is... I would have gone with that. <laughs> me too. Fuck you, wow.
0: Um
1: But it's just a good time about kids existing in Paris, doing shit, being poor, going to the movies, falling in love, falling out of love, mm. creating things doing things, having to deal with housing, have fun! Oh, uh,
0: that's, that's that's pretty...
1: You know, I, it's, oh, it's so good. Sorry. Having a job, smoking 10,000 cigarettes every single second because it's a French New Wave film and everyone has to be smoking all the time. All
0: right. Um, today's podcast recommendation is masculine feminine.
1: Oh, and also... Um, uh, something, Auntie Don Spiegel has of fun. Okay, That's a It's a TV show, okay, TV show, so okay, I'll do okay, that. I I guess, guess come on come, on, come on, come okay, sure. on. Give me that. And also Paris, Texas. And also Blue Velvet. And also any of, and Rope, Hitchcock. Look,
0: there will be, there'll be the citations list.
1: Thank God. But the main recommendation is masculine and feminine. What? <laughs> the main recommendation is, uh, Top Gun. Uh, go and go Maverick. and. This episode is sponsored by Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, uh, Tom Cruise is actually on our episode. He yeah, America, so. uh, and you should join the U.S. military. Can you like dress up with Tom Cruise? Hey, it's me, Tom Cruise. Hey, oh my god! Guys, hey, that's Tom hey fuck, how fuck. are you? Uh,
0: I'm doing a podcast, man. Why are you interrupting?
1: Like, I just wanted to say hey. Why are you everywhere? Do you like my new film? You literally I haven't seen it. What the fuck? Is it as
0: gay as the original? Title? <laughs> Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. Then I'll watch it. Yeah, I fuck like 10 guys. Nice. In the plane while it's moving. Yeah. yeah. Join the US military, kids. Oh. Wait, one more pet peeve. Uh DC movies are funded by the US military. Like, literally, Iron Man.
0: Aren't, aren't, like, literally all the Transformers
1: in? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and so now official documents have come out saying how Top Gun is military propaganda for the US. Um, came out, like, a couple of days ago, and people are like, wow, we're not surprised. Oh. Yeah. Only like, a couple days ago. Okay. What? Well, yeah. And, like, people are like, this is not surprising. <laughs> like... Yeah. You look and, the credits,
0: and, like, half of it is the military.
1: Yeah, and it's like, I... Why would you voluntarily want to... Like, you go, you go to the cinemas, right? Picture this. You're walking into Dendy Newtown. You spot Sean Campbell. Oh, hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. And he's like, hey, mate, what can I do for you? Uh... And you you think to yourself, Yes, I want to go and watch shooty shooty bang bang. I'm a man with a gun in the in the in the Americas and I get to shoot foreigners. Yes. We have to beat we have to go into Vietnam or we have to go into the Middle East and we gotta shoot other people. Yay, like oh, but they wear it in a special suit, so it's fine. They wear oh. it they, it's but it's fine because they're the Avengers. Or oh you know God. whatever you know I don't know, <laughs> but uh, you know like I obviously a lot of film is propaganda. You could uh, like you All could uh, films are yeah pretty much it's propaganda yeah. for having a good life. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. there are movies you a bad you're life up. or a bad life yeah. But you know movies like Harold and Maud, where you're like this is propaganda for me to be happy. Mm. Well, so, because of Maud's, um views on life, and you're just like oh yeah. uh, I miss her. Mm. I've, never, good. I've never met her and I miss her so much. I want ten. Th- I, God, I wish she was in my life. God. If I could bring one movie character to life, it would be Maud. Whoa. And then I would be in love with her. Fuck Harold.
0: Damn.
1: Damn. At, wait, at like
0: 79? or Yeah, uh, why not? Whoa, okay.
1: But I would like stop her from dying at 80. I
0: don't think you could. that's defeats the point of <sighs> bringing her back to life.
1: But that I'd be so sad. You
0: can't, that's the condition
1: no i don't want i'm not bringing no okay no i'm not bringing her back to life okay who if you could bring any fictional character to life and also like that you can choose for them to like be your best friend and stuff who because i'm gonna change my answer to gary king from the world's End, but specifically his like 18 year old character
0: of course yeah of course he would no he's so toxic though
1: yeah, but I'm alright with it. <laughs> oh my god. He's no way. he's so like he's The podcast
0: does not condone to He's amazing.
1: like so hot that he's allowed to get away with it. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, but hey Simon Pegg! Hey I Simon see. if you're listening, I'm Who was that free. Was
0: an entirely different
1: actor. He's married with like kids. But yeah, but anyway. the
0: actor who played Gary King. No,
1: girl. no. I, whatever.
0: <laughs> you know what? What? Sarah Connor. Sarah Connor's pretty good. From, From The Terminator. <laughs>
1: Good. <laughs> that's good that's she's good pretty, that's pretty pretty good.
0: Pretty good or or like um i think it's ridley from alien
1: yes yeah oh my god yes yeah 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 Definitely. i had a i had a history teacher who we bonded over like communism and film um because mm-hmm.
0: your two favorite things.
1: Uh, yeah obviously fuck yeah <laughs> that's why yeah
2: that's why
0: i
1: love um <laughs> You uh, have the
0: masculine, which is film.
1: Yeah, the other feminine, which it was is communism. communism. God, yeah. Um, I was in class once, and he just started. He made a reference to Alien Three and pointed at me. Was like Parker, you would like Alien Three because it's a as a like leading woman in it. And I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, you should watch Alien Three. <laughs> I was like, all right, I will. So yeah, Is that the one in which she gets like the robot. I'm pretty sure. Nice. I don't know. To be honest, I can't remember. It was in the middle of a lecture on like Leninism, so. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Who's yeah. the first alien?
1: Yes, but I was oh, young. Okay. I was very young, and so my memories of it are like the gory bits. Where you know, it's like they're lying on their back and the it squirts out of the stomach. It's so good. Mm. That's I, I I must have been like nine years old and seen that and been like, yeah, <gasps> yeah, sure. That's cool. Nine years old. Fuck. Maybe like ten. Yeah, that's. I I sense. I remember like watching Jackass with my dad, yeah. and I was like nine, being like, "What is this?" And my dad was like, "Comedy." <laughs> I was like, yeah
0: <laughs> And that's why you like Auntie Dog.
1: Yeah, my
0: dad showed me Jackass
1: when I was a small child. I'm making him out to be like a guy with like. With, like, the most basic taste. He's also he's a naughty guy. Don't he worry. sounds like,
0: yeah, like, no, he would have been... He sounds like one of those nerdy Gen X guys.
1: I mean, Gen X? Yeah. How old are Gen X?
0: Gen X would be, like, in their 40s or 50s now. Okay,
1: yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah I reckon he's, yeah, he's pretty nerdy.
0: My mom's Gen X and she's... She's 17. Born in 1970. Ah. Huh. So they're born, I think... Because yeah, baby blue means. Because I think, think both my parents were. Fifty s- to sixty-five. So sixty-five to eighty is Janet.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. slay. So. because my, uh, yeah, my family, like as in just my parents, massive movie heads, God, and so people like David Lynch, Spike Lee, um, Tarantino, um, less so but still, uh, Gus Van Sant. Um, Hitchcock, mm. Fellini, those are all like household names. And I kind of forget that it's not really that way for everyone else. So mm. when I will drop those into conversation and people will just be like, I don't know who they are. And I'm like, huh? Mm. Fellini, you don't, you don't know about, you don't know about the Hitchcock. You don't know about the Kubricks. What? Yeah. Um, and, um, so I fortunately and unfortunately grew up in like a very snob environment. <laughs> think I think my parents molded me to be a snob when people talk about nature versus nurture it was very much nurture where I had these two parents just relentlessly giving me good film recommendations and it is because of them that I'm such I'm such a cunt now (laughs) about about my tastes right um and like I love listening to people like Edgar Wright talk about their childhood movies and stuff and like movies like Dirty Harry and um Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and like those classics I love listening to that. I feel like kids these days, they don't have, you know, their versions of the thing and, um, whatever we had growing
0: up. I don't know. Mm. I mean, like, I but, wonder how much of it is that there's a rejection today of, like, you know, old stuff in general. Mm. Like, cause, cause you grew up with, like, your parents' taste of, you know, like, art house. Like, yeah. All these like like, British invasion music, etc. Right? Yeah,
1: and like I don't reject these days.
0: What would other people have grown up with?
1: Yeah, and like I don't reject Sunset Boulevard just because it's old, and I don't even reject it entirely. There's just a tiny bit of me I reject it, just a tiny bit because of its use of exposition, and that's just my own film pet peeve. But I don't reject it because it's an old film, Mm -hmm. and I would like, and I really am worried, I guess. For the kids growing up now who their idea of media is like TikTok. And I know that's like terrible of me to say, and it's like, oh kids these days on their TikTok, blah 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 But like it is a bit depressing. And I know it's really wanky of me to say, but a lot of people will grow up never really being aware of some of the more artsy counterculturally things that will we... grew up that way. Hmm? People people grew up that way in like my generation. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. It just, there's a part of me that is sort of saddened by it.
0: Mm, I think my parents definitely had, like, a particular, my dad especially, he has that, like, old Bollywood taste. Like, Ah. my mom is very much, you know, like, she loves, like, pop culture a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, she grew up on, like, Michael Jackson and, like, George Martin. Oh, classic. And, like, she grew up, you know, with, like, 80s music and, like, Mm. films and, like, culture and oh, that kind of stuff
1: like uh, like like a john hughes kind of thing
0: john, i don't know like
1: pretty in pink and first bueller and breakfast club kind of yeah 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 mm.
0: kind of yeah that's
1: also, that's a very good
0: like saturated period. you know yeah. that vibe. whereas my dad he's very much like one of those nerds who like grew up watching like old films like listening to like old music appreciating like photography like my dad mm. is way better than me film photography
1: <laughs> yeah I, oh dads are such photographers my dad's like a photographer as well yeah. like photography is such a bad thing I don't know yeah like he, he yeah. was
0: like hey can you get me this camera from JB hi fi it's got like a good lens it's got like a super viewfinder and I'm like I don't know like what people grow up with these days like oh yeah why they Guys, it, why they don't comment bit.
1: Comment in the comment section down below what you grew up with if you are under 18. Because, like... <laughs> if, you are, if you are under, like, 16 years old, comment down below your your childhood media, please. Because growing up, I was actually drawn
0: to, like, the art house, whatever, circle in high school. Mm. Which, like, you know, like, Me too. Grew up listening to, like, Beatles and, like, Velvet Underground and, like... <sighs> Yeah, watching like Fellini and reading like shit like Catcher in the Rye. Oh, that's fantastic! Jack Ker, listening to the Beatles and
1: reading Catcher in the Rye. Interesting.
0: I mean, I mean, just I'm just saying Mm -hmm. it in a very vague way. But (laughs) essentially, they were like people that had a particular culture and like particular taste, even though it was like very white. I was drawn to it because everyone else around me, Mm. like they had no conception of, like, how, like, culture can develop. In society, they were just only into, like, mainstream movies music and stuff, which is fine. Mm. But I just find it hard to understand how you can, like, grow up and, like, being exposed to all this stuff. And it's not affecting you. Yeah. Because, like, imagine if you didn't share any taste with your parents. That'd be fucked up. But it's possible, and it happens. That,
1: like, genuinely, that I think. Happened. But that it would be like really heartbreaking for my parents. Like, genuinely, I think my mum would be so sad if I didn't like Hitchcock. And I think my dad would be so sad if I didn't like, um, like Kubrick or something. You know what I mean? Right. And, like, like do they. You like Kubrick? Yeah, I do oh. a lot. I do. do. I do. And, like, I, like, obviously they're still gonna be like, that's, that's my kid, love that kid, but like, I genuinely, I don't know what they do. Like, they, and very specifically, Paris, Texas is one of my mom's just favorite movies of all time and she was almost kind of scared to show it to me in case i would hate it because she loves it so much that if i had hated it like it would have just been like you know when you just love a movie so much and someone says oh that was terrible it hurts a bit right yeah yeah and because you feel like that that's almost an attack on you personally because you love that movie so much that it's almost like a part of you but luckily paris texas has become a part of me now so and i loved it but she was almost like, I need to wait to show Paris, Texas to you in case you don't get it or in case you don't like it because she just loves it. And same with a lot of music. In my house, music is just, music is king. um, And it's just like...
0: Is your dad also a records person?
1: Oh, yeah. I, my record collection is inherited from my parents. No. And so I have this mix of like, Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Pixies, The Clash, Dave Brubeck. Wow. Older, some older jazz stuff. Um, A lot of the Smiths. So much Smith shit, right? My mom is like the Smiths That's and my shit. dad is Radiohead. And so my dad was constantly playing Radiohead when I was like growing up. And so like, we'd be in the car and he'd be like, oh sweetie, it's high, it's creep. You gotta turn it up all the way. And We'd be trying to like drive to school and he'd be blasting creep at like 8am and I'd be like, yeah. Mm. It was great. And like, I, yeah, and that definitely affected me because I love Radiohead now, but hmm. I don't know what they'd do if I was like this kid that loved Ed Sheeran and Dua Lipa. Dua again? <laughs> yeah. Ed Sheeran. Right. <laughs> uh. Uh. Uh.
0: Uh. You yeah. know? Yeah, no, no, I get it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think if I, when I, if I have kids, fuck. If. If they, if they were like, if they were said to me, like, I hate David Lynch, I'd be like, get get out out of my house! house. (laughs) I'd be like, you are not my child! You can go live on the streets! Mm. (laughs) I'm getting you adopted out! If my kid, keep this, keep this audio as like evidence, and when I have kids, you can be like, one day, in years to come, you come oh, yeah. to me and you'll say, "Well, what do they think you'd, of the Lynch and I'll You'd be, like, be
0: you'd be kicking them out and then they'd be like, "Why?" And then you would be like, "Hang on. Uncle approval is coming over to tell
1: you exactly why." <laughs> Your godfather's getting out and the I'll old get podcast one of, like, old tape deck. <laughs> <in>, like a cassette <laughs> It's like somehow. the Evil Dead where you just have this base, this tape deck in the basement, and you bring it out. Yeah. Oh god. See mm-hmm.
0: like I How can you not like Dave Brubeck. Mhm. Yeah? How can you not
1: like Dave Brubeck? Right? God, he's just magical.
0: He's quite good, yeah.
1: Yeah. See, and there are a couple of things where I'm like, how do you not like it? Like, thing, movies, like with How to Mord. I don't think I've met someone who who dislikes it because it is just a good fucking movie. Mm. And if someone did dislike it, I would genuinely ask like, how and why. Mm. Same with um, in terms of music, I'm a bit like, how could you ever dislike you know like Joy Division, or um, I haven't heard that much but love will, oh, okay. yeah. love will tear us apart oh okay love will tear us apart Dragon. Mm. like how could you ever hate that song mm. you know but in the same mm. sense i hate ed sheeran and someone could say to me like how could you hate ed sheeran and i'll be like oh mm. mm. ouch you know yeah so just, there's two sides to everything yeah how would you react if your kids said to you like i hate Fellini, or who, do you hold, uh, who is the director you hold in the highest regard?
0: As far as things I would want my kids to like, mm. I would say, yeah, Sanjee La who, like, directed Dungu Bai and, like, Dave Das and, like, all these ones. And, ooh, if they didn't like Taika Waititi mm. or, like, Danny Wilner, or if they, like, if they didn't like jazz or if they didn't like synthwave, I'd be like... Get out. Oh, look, this is why when you're, you know, in like your 20s and you realize that there's an emotional distance, this is why.
1: <laughs> you're in therapy. You hit a gold mine, You're like, oh god, I don't like jazz. That's, that's, that's why my <laughs> parent won't talk to me. <laughs> I, say, yeah. I Oh I god, didn't...
0: I, did, I didn't watch the Sopranos. <laughs> maybe, that's why,
1: maybe that's why I can't. <laughs> like that's why my number's anymore. blocked. <laughs> yeah. God, we're going to be terrible parents.
0: Hopefully, not. Hopefully <laughs> not. It's up to them. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah. If you, but what if you found out your kids were just lying to you? I mean, and in and in secret they listened to Ed Sheeran instead of Dave.
0: I would no seriously like <laughs> I would be like so sad. Yeah. if They just ate up whatever was like mainstream uncritically. Oh, yeah, I'd be really know. sad. Like and and not that's not a dig on mainstream stuff because sure whatever a lot of it is like fine I don't really care. But I don't know, to me, it would just seem like they don't really care about like what else is out there, mm. that they just I, like care it, about things
1: at a surface level. It's kind of it shows a sense of now this could be quite mean, I mean we're but being it's means. sort of lazy to 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 accept every single piece of media that comes as it is, as the mainstream, as it's coming out everything new modern all the time is a little bit lazy in my opinion and i think the same applies to me it's a bit lazy like if you're not going out of your way to really properly explore music and film and then you decide oh i don't like it great you tried and i'm proud of you but like if you're just gonna be complacent it's it's an issue yeah. of complacency like, I, listen
0: to, I listen to the beatles didn't like them all
1: that much that's fine. me too i grew like when i was like six i was like the beatles and abba are the two best bands to exist and now i'm like oh i don't think i could stand them too much mm. but i do still listen to like some of the white album and whatever yeah. you know i listened to it helter skelter because of charles manson oh interesting. <laughs> that's not even a joke yeah, i was like researching charles manson one day read about to skelter listened to it was like oh it's a good song hmm. and i literally only listened to to skelter to this day because of manson yeah
0: it it just means that like you don't care about finding out about culture
1: yeah yeah and that that is quite a sad existence hmm. It sort of it's not a nice existence to not yeah. sorry to mm-hmm. not care about art culture life etc it's a bit worrying it just it just makes me a bit like wow and Whoa. Uh-huh. Oh, so, my talking. Okay. Oh, you'll be real. That's sponsored. Also, should I be real? Yeah. So we're sponsored by Top Gun Maverick, and we're also sponsored by uh, Be Real. Um, so please go and download Be Real. Uh, you can find it in the App Store. Um, to now, by now, and go and watch Top Gun Maverick in cinemas. <laughs> oh my God!
0: Charlotte's
1: watching Seinfeld. Is she? I love Seinfeld. Yeah. It's getting back on track to the podcast, it's about movies and sometimes TV. If my kids don't like Seinfeld. Out. Oh my that, god, they're that's, out. interesting. Yeah. But it's
0: not, not like groundswell. No, nah,
1: my parents specifically showed me Seinfeld. Okay. Seinfeld was always on in my house. Also, because yeah. the channels just always had Seinfeld on. But also, like, my parents love it. And I was like, oh, this is good. I like this. And sometimes I do. I sometimes go out of my way to watch out of my way to watch episodes because I'm like, this is a fun time.
0: Mm. It's a very easy watch. Yeah. Yeah. Which is yeah. very interesting, right? Yeah. But if they didn't like something like Peep Show, I'd
1: be like, Aw. oh Aww. yeah, that'd be Ooh. sad. Yeah. And like I definitely think that watching Seinfeld is my version of watching a Marvel movie. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Fair enough. Because you don't have to think a lot. It's generally pretty funny mm. and you generally have a good time. Yeah, I think if my kids, in terms of TV, if my kids didn't like sort of like The League of Gentlemen, Inside Number Nine, Garth Rangi's Dark Place, and um, some of the classic like Britcoms, you yeah. know, like IT Crowd, Black Books, if they didn't like Britcom in general, I would be like, you got to start considering the streets, buddy. Have you ever thought about being adopted? Because <laughs> 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 and like yeah, and shit like Peep Show.
0: Yeah, my yeah. Mighty
1: Bush. I have really mixed opinions towards the Bush. Okay. The more I think about it, because I actually fucking love Howard Moon, and I love Howard Moon more than I love Vince Noir. As, controversial.
0: Yeah. Event like over time, people.
1: I matured. Usually, the first time I watched Bush, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, Vince Noir is my He's favorite. So cool. He's so yeah. cool." And then I was like, "He's so immature and mean to Howard, and I love Howard, and I deeply relate to him." Mm. The fact that his calendar is completely empty except for Jazz Club. I'm like, God, that's me. God! That's, so that's like me with film. Oh, uh, that's so I'm like, I, just, I just love Howard. I want him, I just want justice for him. Yeah. Vince Ma gets everything in life because he's got a cool fucking haircut, but Howard Moon with his dorky little fedoras and, and turtlenecks, little necks, eyes, <laughs> 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 that man needs some yeah. love in his life. Mm. God. I really like this specific genre of TV. Where it's, like, men who can't get bitches. Like, Fly, <laughs> Flight of the Concords, keep like Show, crowd. and Mighty Boosh, and IT Crowd. Mm. I love the IT Crowd. And it's always these four shows where it's, like, it's about two male main characters that are so, that could be gay for each other.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, yeah. definitely IT Crowd, Roy and Moss like, I don't know if what they have they, could, they
0: been doing for eight or whatever years? Like, they've just together.
1: been dating each other effectively without ever yeah. saying it. Like they need each other's entire social life. Yeah, like, they need to stop trying to date women because it doesn't work. They need to wake up to the fact that they are mm. gay and in love. Yeah. I feel like that's... Same with, like, Hot Fuzz.
0: I feel like that wouldn't be as, like, funny or as much of, like, a meta joke yeah, after course. the 2000s. But, yeah, I mean, mm, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think, considering Graham Line Linehan, I don't care how to pronounce his yeah, name because yeah, yeah. he's a massive turf. Yeah. There was. I mean, yeah.
0: Anyway, I don't uh-huh. care. I don't care anymore.
1: Graham, Luna hamdys nuts. Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> To the guys <laughs> today? <laughs> <laughs> sponsored
2: by. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, my nuts sponsor a lot of things. um no. They also sponsored Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh,. So, yeah, he's a massive transphobe. So, when you think about the episode where, um, Matt Berry's character, Douglas Renner. Matt Berry's so good. Fuck, I love Matt Berry. God, he's sexy. He's so good. God, he's a sexy man. Yeah. Him and what we do in the shadows. He could fuck me up. Okay. Delete that. Cut that. Now we have an R18 rating.
0: I'm just saying,
1: I'm just saying that Matt Berry and what we do in the shadows, I'm like, Mm. fuck yeah.
0: Ooh, real quick. Mm. What do you think? Of oh, euphoria haven't seen it
1: oh, I, I don't really have a desire to i think when the mm. latest season was coming out um back in march i was like oh like maybe i should for oh, irony's sake oh right yeah right. I, was, I have a friend who <laughs> yeah i have a friend who was watching it completely ironically and laughing at it and like treating it as a mm. as a satirical comedy and i actually did think euphoria was a satire and then someone was like, it's not. And I was like, what? And I thought Euphoria had this same feeling, like the way American Psycho is a complete satire on American businessmen culture. And it got taken seriously by the target demographic that they were making fun of. I thought Euphoria was a satire that was treated the same way as American Psycho. But no, it's, this is another thing about taking yourself too seriously because you are, Euphoria is a TV show that is so deeply unrealistic that it is so silly to take yourself that seriously. As if you're creating biting biting social commentary on the lives of teenagers. Like, no. No. You are funny and silly. <laughs> Have you seen Skins? Uh A couple episodes. Okay. But I like Skins a lot more. Yeah. Um, from my very limited yeah. experience. And I know Skins is just as unrealistic, but I think it takes itself less seriously because it's kind of aware. It's I mean, it, aware. it takes
0: itself seriously, but it's saying that. It's saying more, in my opinion. It's it's saying more, but it's it's not putting as much weight into like being a teen. Like the point of Skins is that you like you know teens are terrible, teens are weird, teens like are dumb idiots, whatever. But at the end of the day, like you know, life goes on. That's why it's split up into like mini series because like yeah. these years of their lives, like who knows what's going to happen when they grow up. Yeah, I think. Whereas, like, euphoria treats that are like, okay, this is it. This is your entire life. This is the most important. Period you,
1: of your euphoria life. emphasizes that high school is your peak and teenage, is your peak. And I think now, currently living as an 18 year old, I guess I can speak to that a bit. I think, <laughs> <laughs> just a bit. Uh, I think there is a lot of pressure to, to peak as a teenager. I think that's really sad. And I don't think you have, I think in your life, you will have heaps of peaks. And I know I'm speaking out of my ass. I, I'm so aware of that, but I genuinely did feel and still do feel this pressure of like, this is the best time of my life. And I need to go out clubbing and drinking every single night. And I need to be hot and sexy and have sex and, and, and do drugs and alcohol, weed. But like, no, it's not like that at all. Um, and especially with I have a real pet peeve with media about teenagers this real emphasis on high school relationships and being a teenager in love it's never as good as it is in media it's usually shitty and usually there's a lot of pressure to be like having sex because a lot of the time teenagers in media are having sex and I think that is like such a gross pressure to put on 18 year olds that they left. need to be less. And it's like, like, stop. Same with Euphoria because, like, sure, you know that the actors are like 20 or whatever, but you also forget that the characters they're portraying are what, like 17?
2: 16. 16? Yeah.
1: Really? I'm 15. But there's so many, there's so much sex. Yeah, there's a lot of sex, yeah. But they're like meant to be 16. That's so fucked up in my opinion and i really this is a general sweeping take on media in general i just don't like the the dominance of sex in media Mm. i think certainly the french would disagree the Um, french yeah excuse me that was a burp i don't know if the mic will pick it up i'll do a better one though (coughs) um i if you watch a French movie, there's always a sex scene. It's always unnecessary. They will be having a conversation, and then it will just cut to them fucking. You'll be like, why? The French would love the room. They
0: would
1: love the room. <laughs> the room is allowed to get away with so many sex scenes. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, Tommy Wiseau.
2: Oh, I love oh, him. Is it pronounced like a Wazoo? I, I don't know. A...
1: Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> Tommy up the wazoo. Um, oh, man, How do you say it? Wait. What do you say? Wizzo Wazo. I don't know. I've just been it saying. French. Wiseau? Is he French? The name sounds French.
0: <laughs> you know, he's got the E-A-U.
1: Tommy Wazoo is neo-French new wave. <laughs> French new new wave. <laughs> uh, the room. It Next... does
0: break all the conventions.
1: It does. Have my favourite part of the room is that characters never know how to leave a scene. In fact, the characters generally, they leave scenes all the time, but for no reason. Like, my favorite part is when the girlfriend will be in the apartment. Her mother will enter and be like, oh, hi, darling, let's have a cup of tea. And then in like two minutes, she'll be like, oh, I just, I have to go now. You said you were staying for tea. It's, I love it. I just, it's so good. Guys, please watch the room. Don't like seriously. (laughs) We're
0: changing our recommendation. Yeah,
1: no, do not watch *Masculine/Feminine*. Watch the room because it's so much better. A prerequisite to watching literally any other film. Seriously, Mm. I wasn't expecting it to be as bad, good as it was. I knew it was going to be bad. I didn't think it was going to be so grossly just not have any awareness of what a film is. Mm. I don't know if Tommy's ever watched a film.
0: Here's some food for thought.
1: Gimme. I'm if hungry. You could,
0: if you you know how there's like that film canon, whatever we discussed a couple ago? Yeah. If you could design an order of films for someone to watch mm. if they've never seen a film before, as like a general introduction to film. Say say someone's only seen Marvel movies, right? Whoa, okay. Say someone say in the future someone's only seen like you know TikTok. What <laughs> are the films you would give them and in, in what order? Anyway, this is ten. difficult. Yeah. D- are you
1: expecting an answer now? No,
0: no, no, no. There's just time to think about.
1: Okay, because I would definitely at some point give them Clockwork Orange. Oh, interesting. That would definitely be in there. I would just rather be read the book. Of course. Yeah. Oh, the book is a, the the book it, is a yeah. tough read because of the language. You do have to be checking the glossary every page. Same with reading like train spotting. I would definitely make them watch train spotting. I do think that that's a very important film to watch in my opinion.
0: Many tangents
1: Go. I've
0: never had trouble reading something like a clockwork orange. Um yeah, or what
1: was the one you mentioned? Just train spotting?
0: Train spotting. Cuz
1: train spotting is written in the accent.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like Dune or whatever because he uses like a lot of Arabic words. Like yeah. I've always I've never had any qualms with that. But I wonder how much of that is because I'm like bilingual. Oh. And I just like ex and like you've seen everything everywhere all at once, right? Mm. Yeah, and I just you know, it's like a normal thing to me that people speak in not English per se.
1: That's very interesting. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. See, so, so you've obviously read *Copper and Orange*. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And what did you think?
0: I liked it. Mm. Yeah. And I, you've
1: watched it as well.
0: I've seen scenes. I haven't seen the whole yeah,
1: thing. Everyone's seen scenes. The and, whole thing is, um you know what?
0: And I want to watch like the unedited version. Sorry, not not the unedited version. Director's like Yeah, the one where they like get rid of the ending, <laughs> or they don't get rid of the ending.
1: I can't remember which version I watched.
0: Anyway, because I didn't like the book's ending.
1: What's the book's ending? You can spoil it.
0: That he grows up to be like a normal person.
1: What? Yeah. Boring. That sucks. I'm pretty sure the movie's ending is ambiguous. That's the only way
0: they could get it published, I guess.
1: Because the movie ending is that he's in the hospital. He's like, oh, wait, shit, I just spoiled it. But the movie ending I don't think shows that.
0: Okay, like the, the point of the book ending is that like, after all that, how sad is it that he grew up to be like another normal person? He oh. grew up to be like the kind of person he despised.
1: uh well, yeah. I guess that's his idea of eternal punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I think about it, I don't know if I can. But the movie is obviously a
0: lot ending. more American, you know, in its ending. Because yeah, mm. like I, I know the ending.
1: Mm. Yeah. Okay, because my thing about Clockwork Orange this is a fun story. I the day before, what is, sorry. <laughs> fucking out. Um, the day before we started at afters, I sat down and I watched Clockwork Orange because I said I am not going to film school without watching it. <laughs> and so in the night before I started at afters, I watched Raising Arizona, the Cohen Brothers film, which is Edgar Wright's favorite film, and it's amazing. High recommend. Look, I love it. I think it's one of Nicolas Cage's best roles. I, I like Nicholas Cage. I fucking love Nicholas. He he gets too much hate, but I think our generation are bringing him back a bit. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think my parents, I say that and my parents is like, your generation thinks Nicholas Cage is cool? And I'm like, yeah. And they sort of have this different vision of him. Um Look, I think Nicholas is an alright actor, but... uh I watched Raising Arizona and I watched A Clockwork Orange because I was like, I'm just not going to film school without having watched these for some reason, even though I haven't seen Space Odyssey and I haven't seen Eight and a Half and I haven't seen Citizen Kane, you know? Okay, what are... I have a question for you. What are the films that always get put in the canon, like the classic straight white man canon, that you don't think should be there, that don't deserve that spot? Uh,
0: Like what? I don't even remember.
1: Or oh, what do you think does deserve to be there? That is still like like straight, straight white men things.
0: Yeah. Like, okay. Citizen Kane. Yes. As, as if you're if you're someone who wants to make films, mm. if you're someone who wants to like analyze a film for how it tells a story. Yes. Citizen Kane definitely. Mm-hmm. But like just to watch for entertainment, it's it's not all that. But like, um,
1: do not this my bestie be awesome right now?
0: Like, yeah, it's it's a good film, but like.
1: Don't you think about how funny random directors' names are without their last name? Like, Orson, Stanley, Stephen. <laughs> like, like they're just regular guys. David, <laughs> David. Like, and then you add the last Tom. name.
0: John. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, they're just, just, they're uh, just random guys, and then you add the last name, and suddenly,
0: oh, it's, it's a, it's a guy. Martin. Like, hey, Martin.
1: Marty. Like, Quinton. Just Quentin.
0: Quentin is funny. Quinty. Quentin. Spike's Sorry. good though. Spike's pretty good.
1: Spike is a great Spike's first name. Yeah. But I can't. Genuinely awesome is so random without the wells on the end. Yeah. Just awesome.
0: Um, taxi driver. Mm, so maybe on that. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like the film.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, but. This is I don't another.
1: It needs this to is. is throwing two bricks through your window now. Okay, there you go. Because Yeah, I don't care.
0: Um. <laughs> What else?
1: Windows can be fixed with broken hearts. Can't. I haven't seen. <laughs> think about it.
0: I haven't seen eight and a half, but just from what it like sounds like it's about, it sounds pretty fucking good. What else is there? What else is there? Uh,
1: g- g- the game... Godfather
0: deserves to be there. Uh huh. But game. then again, I'm a sucker for.
1: Uh, Rule of the Game. Rule of the Game. french
0: one?
1: Um, kinda think. Breathless? Ooh. Seven Samurai, that gets thrown in a yep. lot. So yes. Yes, you'd be. Yeah. yeah. Seven okay. Samurai is pretty good.
0: Cool. Breathless? Oh. Look, if you like romance, hmm. if you like that as a genre. But doesn't you
1: know? he like hate women?
0: Yeah, but the, the like Breathless is isn't like a romance film, but it is a romance film. That's why I would tell people who like it to watch it. Because yeah, you know, it, it'll fuck with your head.
1: I might watch it tonight, to be honest.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. I'll keep you updated. Mm-hmm. I think I want to do a double feature of Eight and a Half and Vertigo. Oh,
0: Vertigo is pretty good. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 I think my watch list that are like top priority right now is like Breathless, Eight mm-hmm. and a Half, Vertigo, and Synecdoche in New York. Oh, that's. <coughs> I
0: want to watch that one. I, I don't know yeah. if it was.
1: I want to screen it, to be honest.
0: I don't know. If, I don't know who it was. Was it? the guy someone someone like someone in a year said it was one of their favorite films
1: it's in my class it was put in the canon who put it uh i think maddie i think yeah i'm pretty sure it was maddie no, maddie no. and i had a lot of crossover in canon um you know what i find very interesting is that spirited away has become a part of people's canon very quickly how do you feel about that because I, I, l- I like you i feel good about yeah. it because but i don't I don't know. I think it definitely deserves to be there. Um because the more I think about it the more I'm like, yeah, like that's a beautiful, lovely film from my childhood and like blah blah blah. Yeah, I would say it deserves to be there. And I think it's fascinating that our generation is just really we that's that's what we've picked as part of our canon instead of Citizen Kane.
0: I think, you know what I mean? Yeah, one of my favorite things about Gen Z is that they value animation and like mm. International stuff way more than previous generations. Yeah,
1: and like our class talked about like Perfect Blue and Satoshi Kon, and I love Satoshi Kon. God, good shit, man.
0: Yeah, I'm just you... looking
1: at your canon. Oh, it's. I would actually films. change. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> I would probably change some of that now mm-hmm. because I actually haven't seen a lot of those on the list. It's because my tutor was like, you can put ones in the. If that's not my personal canon,
0: our tutor said you can't.
1: Oh, our tutor said
0: you can't even put on. Like films that you don't like remember that well.
1: See, like that's not my personal canon and that is not my, if the world was ending and I had to preserve cinema, that's not the canon I would pick. And my definitions of canon would all be, they would all be like really vastly different. Hmm. I think my personal canon would be like very camp and it would be very, I just value campness a lot. Mm-hmm. John Waters. And art house stuff. And cult yeah. stuff as yeah, mm. I really, I value it so much. And I almost value it more than, like, I value the classics.
2: Um,
1: and sometimes I think there is more merit to watching something that is really out there and really challenges you than watching Casablanca or Chinatown.
0: I would put a razor head.
1: Yeah, I would put a razor head. And I would put, like, Pink Flamingos. Because I think Pink Flamingos has a lot more value to a film student than Casablanca. Hashtag controversial. But... You know, that's that. That's what I'm saying. Mm. That's my statement. Quote me on it when I'm famous. Yep. Thank you. Shout out to all the future film students that are gonna be me one day. What? Well, yeah. You know. They're gonna all mm. be children. Ah. Oh, I'd love to be like a Madonna and adopt a heap of film students. Oh, that'd be cute. Yeah. It's like a sweet note to end it on. Mm. Mm. So thank you, Top Gun Maverick. For sponsoring us. Thank you, Tommy Rizzo. And thank you, the US government, for giving us heaps of money to make this film podcast. We love Marvel. Is this two hours?
2: Yeah.
1: Bye. I love you.
0: I would like to address a few errors. The character in Alien is Ripley not Ridley. I meant George Michael, not George Martin. Tommy Wiseau is the correct pronunciation of his name. At the time of recording, Triangle of Sadness did not have a commercial release, but it has had one since then. The ending for A Clockwork Orange spoilers in the first edition of the book had Alex reformed in the last chapter. The American edition had this last chapter omitted, and this is the version that Kubrick upholds in his film.